following podcast may contain some adult language. You've been warned. Those of you who got an invite, welcome to NerdProm. <laughs> no matter where in the world you are, we're all NERDS International. With the hyphen. Finding the Narrative, a Genesis RPG podcast. This is a show dedicated to the Genesis role-playing system from Fantasy Flight Games. A show in which we, your hosts, discuss all things Genesis from both a player's and a GM's perspective. I am Tony Fanning, and with me, as always, is my brother from another mother, Mr. Christopher Holmes. How you doing, homie? I am getting over a cold, kind of feeling like crap still a little bit, but I feel 100% better. I do have a pretty cheesy gamer story feel touchy feely gamer story to tell you about after i introduce our maple american friend Stefan dragonspawn welcome back buddy how you doing hey, thank you thank you and does it involve an air fryer no no air fryer <laughs> no. stories this way okay. this week everybody okay. but what it does involve is it does involve my friday night D group we've been playing fifth edition um, we have two kids, two boys, Dean and Nathan. They're about nine, ten years old that they've been playing for a couple of years with us now. And with, uh, you know, Kyle, he's running it. This is our high level, 18th level D&D campaign. Okay. Mm. So this is one of the greatest moments that I've had in my gamer history, just because it's a throwback moment for me. And I wish everybody can have a moment like this. So we kill Orcus, okay? Yeah, the epitome of evil, chaotic evil, right? And Chris? we, and then after Chris? killing the evil, yeah. Pause. I think we lost Tony for a bit. He's not speaking. Is he back right now? No. No, it just seems like he's left the chat. Well, that son of a bitch. Let's start over. <laughs> or not? Or do we wait? Are you back, Tony? Do we have to re-record? I'm back. What the hell just happened? I don't know. You're don't know. Okay, so anyway, let me just, we don't have to re-record all that. Anyway, okay. so basically, it's my it's my Friday night Friday night game, gamer group. We're playing a high-level campaign, 18th, 19th level. And um, we kill Orcus, like the epitome of evil, you know, chaotic evil oh, yeah. incarnate, right? And then we roll loot, because it's what you do. It's kind of a throwback D&D session, right? And lo and behold, we roll Rod of Lordly Might. And the two boys cheer. They go, yay! And we're like, do you even know what that is? They're like, no! So I end up up opening up the DMG, pass the book across to them. Everybody's laughing. These two boys, their eyes get like so big. Reading the damn item. Because it's a legendary (laughs) item, right? And they're like, this is so cool. And I don't know. In that moment, I was 13, I became 13, 14 years old again, you know, because they just shared a moment that I hadn't shared in like 30 years, over 30 years. And seeing it through their eyes. Seeing it through their eyes, and I love playing this campaign right now. So, hats off to you guys, cheers to them, cheers to you two, and cheers to everybody listening, 
Because I wish everybody can have moments like this. And I wish you all the greatest gamer moments ever. So, yeah, it's touchy-feely, kind of whatever. But I never wanted to share. I had to share. Yeah, no, I remember. I remember some of my first fight-ins, or either myself or one of my fellow players. Rod of Lordly Might. Okay, does this and this. It can mm-hmm. be an ass. It can be a sword. It can be a mace. It can be a ladder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it can be an immovable rod. I mean, it's just yep. all of these things. And these kids, these two, were just eating it up. I loved it. Nice. <laughs> That's great. Anyways, that was my story. So moving That's on. That's a right great here. story, Chris. Thank you. All right, <laughs> Stefan. News, yes. newsman. Yes, we have a few little bits of news. Uh, a little about a week ago, we had uh, the announcement. The book called "Worlds of Android" is now available as a PDF on Drive Through RPG. Mm-hmm. So uh, some of you may not be familiar. It's it's kind of a sort in some ways unofficially a source book for Shadow of the Beanstalk. Mm-hmm. There's no game mechanics in the book at all. It's all fluff. Fluffy good. But, but yeah, it, just like the Shadow of the Beanstalk book, it's, it is good quality, high quality book. Mm-hmm. Uh, awesome art, again, yeah. very evocative. Uh, and a few long pullouts that show what an arcology can look like with a bit of a cutaway views, as well as Luna Base, uh, Heinlein. Cool. What yeah, it's looks 20 like a bucks. underground. It's, yeah, it's 1995 it's out there. That's it. So RPG. not bad. You get a PDF. And it also, when you buy the PDF, it includes the pullouts as two separate PDFs. Mm-hmm. So, you know, no, it's really cool. I got, I read that book before Shadow of the Beanstalk came out, and uh, it got me inspired and I got a lot of information from the book like all kinds of different bioroids and and, and clones like okay this is the Henry model this is the, uh, oh, <laughs> the cool. Eve model <laughs> so, nice. and what kind of purposes they're, 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 they fulfill it's like oh nice and of course some weapon details and, they, and one thing they don't cover the, they cover that the, the core shadow of the Beanstalk book doesn't cover is Mars there's a lot more detail on the Mars colony in that book. Oh, that's cool. And uh, in the rule book. So, yeah, if you're interested, go and get it. And you can put on your tablet and read it anywhere. And another little bit of news is that uh, now the Finding Narrative podcast is also on Twitter. You can find us at FTN underscore Genesis. Which would Sweet. basically be, you can find stuff in there. Like yeah, you can find much Tony on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we didn't tweet. Tony and I didn't tweet before Stefan came on, so no. we've increased our multi our social media platforms, man. Yeah, by another thirty three percent. So apologies, guys. We've got a lot of thunderstorms moving through my area right now, so it looks like my internet is patchy at best. Um, so if you lose me, just um, forgive on. us. Yes, forgive <laughs> us. Um, like so we did already. We for, yes, for listener feedback, uh, yes. we have uh, we got an email from Matt G. Uh, Hello, gentlemen. Thank you again for your help with my Goliath guy for Terranoth. So I have two things, things to discuss or to ask for your opinions on. Uh, The first one is for Chris and I guess for Tony, seeing as how far back it goes. 
I have been wanting to send this over ever since your first advantageous threat section with featuring uh, Cherry Blowpop. <laughs> I looked but could not remember where it was. I do recall that Chris had the image disguise device start to flicker, and I would have had the despair uh, sent so that Probably when spent. Cherry Blowpop... Yeah, I think spent. Mm-hmm. So that when uh, Cherry Blowpop enters the VIP area, she is disguising herself as is ushered the person she is disguising herself as is ushered in by guards through a secret door which would lead to a very interesting social combat and even maybe even an actual combat well you know that's i mean i'd like to cover on that (laughs) yeah that's a great idea problem is you weren't there (sighs) you couldn't do that to me so haha oh wait <laughs> um, you know, and that's 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 the thing is that that's the great thing about this game is everybody. I mean, when you're sitting at the table, there's six different ways to spend a despair when you got six different mm-hmm. people sitting. Mm-hmm. So, oh, and, it's kind of like it's kind of like the um, the guy rolled a despair in the um, what Captain Marvel movie, right? Right. When he he kind of made himself look like that old lady, and then she kind of looks at her. Nope. I just saw you. Wham! There you go. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that. That's cool. Yep. Not to spoil and the movie, but if you haven't seen it, you should have already, by the way. Sorry. Yeah, it's a great film. <laughs> yeah. All right, so on to number two. So now my second session as a GM for Taranoth. My first was running a few people through the adventure that FFG put out. Mm. So something interesting came up. A mage wanted to first try and transmute the liquid in a bandit's eye to something highly flammable. I told him no on that because on that because I couldn't find where something like that would fit under. Um, I thought maybe utility, but that wouldn't be right. He then went on to hmm. his second idea of conjuring lead into a bandit's eye, or sorry, <laughs> throat. Ba- uh, throat. throat. Uh, and thought about it. Sh- Jesus, I'm sorry, I'm horrible at reading today, and said, sure, why not? (laughs) But the difficulty will not only increase, but it will be auto-upgraded. So, with two purple, a red, and two blacks, he managed to conjure lead into the bandit's throat. (laughs) I was just wondering what your (laughs) thoughts about these creative uses of magic were like that in Terranoth. Now, First uh, off, that player, fairly (laughs) creative, but yeah. Kind of sadistic. <laughs> bit, yeah, <laughs> well <like> done. <laughs> flammable eyes and you know, lead I mean, in the throat. I would think if you said yes to the second one, you could have said yes to the first one. At that right. point, you basically it's this is like a this is a game of yes but. Try yes, to say and. yes but yes and yeah. yes but whatever yeah. you know. Um, <laughs> and no you, but no but no well, <laughs> you, you don't want to say no but. <laughs> Anyways, um, and you just figured out from there. Ask the character. Players like, well, it's not this. What do you think? Well, conjure. It would be co- totally conjure, right? Or summon. It could be conjure, but if it's Maybe causing damage, if, yeah. If it's causing an damage, it's an it's an attack. It's just to borrow a term from another role playing game. It's a trapping. It's what the spell looks like. <laughs> what role playing game would that be? <laughs> oh, some kind of thing that has S and W Star Wars. No, that's not right. <laughs> so. What I did was I actually responded to him in the email 
and I actually gave him a couple of examples of how that could have been spent for both of those in cool. describing how those attacks would work. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the case of the transmute the eye juice into something flammable, flammable, the difficulty would be five formidable with an automatic upgrade. You have base, the base difficulty of one, adding two for deadly, two for poisonous, and one for burn. I'm sorry, uh, one for deadly, one for burn, and two for poisonous for a total of five. And then, of course, the automatic upgrade because uh, it's difficult and you're you're kind yeah. of trying to cast a spell into another person's body. That kind of means an automatic upgrade. Yep. Um, so five formidable, pretty good. Yeah. Uh, and then the lead and lead throat plug one, <laughs> uh, I would say would be four daunting because you have the base spell again, deadly and poisonous because yeah. you're trying it. And yeah. so it's lead. It's going yeah. in their throat. It's going to mm-hmm. restrict their breathing. They'll get a resistance or resilience check to be able to try and breathe past it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and you didn't say molten lead, so I assumed you don't yeah. want burn no, handed to no, it. Tony, no. Tony, you took you took those things off the attack table and kind of mm-hmm. applied them to the conjuring table, then, right? Right, because they're cool. essentially all he's doing is is attacking. He's not really a conjuring anything. Right. It's just a trapping of your attack to conjure yeah, something. Yeah. Um, cool. And those, and the, an it's really just an attack spell when you're trying to do damage it. to someone. Even if it's inventive damage to someone, it's an yes, attack. It's an attack, yeah. What was it? Conjuring might have been okay if he was like summoning some kind of really big rock just above the bandit's head. <laughs> that would have been conjure, and then you just let gravity take over. But yeah, that's another one matter. giant brick of lead over the dude's head, I'm totally okay with that being a summoning. Mm-hmm. Now, he right. mentioned utility, and this is why he shouldn't have utility, and he called it. It wasn't, he didn't, didn't seem right. That yeah. Didn't seem right. Utility should never be more than one purple difficulty. Yeah. That does not fit under that spell. No. Uh, utility should always be something simple, something very easy that any wizard or caster could accomplish. That could use yeah, like, as a utility, you know, like yeah, your like a, mage hand. Like a cantrip. Or, yeah, your cantrips, right. Mending Making something. Making your clothes clean. Making mm-hmm. your clothes clean, you're right. Yep. Making your voice louder. Yeah. You know. Picking your friend's nose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> detecting magic in an area, right? Yeah. Right. Reading, you know, detecting, like, evil or whatever, too. You know, that yeah. those kinds of things. Lighting candles. Uh... Mm-hmm. And and the reason why I said, um, and I'm getting back into the email, and the reason why I said it should always be an attack is because you're always going to want to apply adversary. Yep. Because mm. you'll like... want your big bats to be able to resist this. Or at least get those despairs. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So and, and then again, like an automatic upgrade because you're trying to cast a spell onto or into an enemy is reasonable. Yeah. If they have adversary, you don't need to apply it, or maybe you do. If you really want to ramp it up a little bit, and then at the very end, definitely a great reason to s- s- flip a GM story point. Oh, always. Yep. <laughs> Have it reflect uh, back on them. Oh my! You just burned your own eyes out. <laughs> now we wouldn't Backfire. do anything that mean, would we? <laughs> no, no. But anyhow, the rest of his email. <laughs> mm-hmm. As okay. always, thank you for your hard work, gentlemen. I love the show, and I'm glad to hear that you will 
be on it more, Stefan. Mm-hmm. Also, being in Iowa, I know your point about people now having no clue about towns in relationship to one another. Yeah, they're probably a little further spaced out down there than they are down here, up, up <laughs> Michigan. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, thank, thank you, Matt, for the letter and for welcoming you onto the show. Uh, guys named Matt are always great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so, yes, thank you for emailing us, Matt. Uh, it was a great question. Yes. So that was it for, that was all I chose for, we got a couple of more of the, hey, you guys are doing a great job kind of emails mm-hmm. and, and messages. Those are always fun, but I'm sure they're not <laughs> fun for our listeners. Mm-hmm. So you guys want to get on to the next show topic? Let's, oh, fine. Let's, let's do, do it. it. All right. Welcome to 50 Pieces of Awesome. This is where Chris goes out onto the internet and finds... Dun, dun, dun! Eh, something to share with us. Mm-hmm. So this is, um, this is actually pretty awesome. Because I found these Genesis one-shots by Pocket Contents. That's the name. Pocket Contents. They're up on, there's a website that he or she has up there. That have then there's four of these one shot adventures, anywhere between you know two to five pages long. There's this there's one called Death at Gardner Gardner House, and each one of these kind of have their own little description page, and then there's a PDF that you can download that is everything you need. It has like visitor background, timelines if needed, bad guys. And even some um, like difficulties for spe- specific checks during the adventure. So let's get so for an example, this first one, Death at Garner House. The premise is May fourteenth, nineteen ten. During the passage of Haley's Comet, a millionaire's murder points to a dark ritual and a missing child. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> so this one's kind of neat. I mean, and the thing is. Is mystery, horror, and bowler hats. That's kind of the description, like the tags on. I'm like, okay, bowler hats. Okay, cool. Gets you in the mood. <laughs> um, the look and feel of this thing is pretty sweet. It's got a newspaper printing. A little difficult to kind of maybe follow where things are, but if you read it, it makes sense. And it's pretty cool. Also has five pregens, 15 pages of pregens, all starting at like a starting level XP. And then. Um, and then what's really neat, it has a link to node-based design for stories. I don't know what that is, but I have a link for it, and I'll go try it out if I want to create this node-based design for stories or whatever. So that's kind of neat. And then there are a couple other um, ones. There's something called Mummy's Boy, Zombie High, um, you know, Zombies, Teens, in Modern Day. You know, what else do you need to really say, right? It's the night of the Halloween dance at Sentinel Lake High School, an event which is sure to prove lively. <laughs> just, you know, I mean, just reading that, I'm like, okay, I like this guy's, um, I like this guy's, uh, what do you call it, um, humor, right? I mean, it's pretty sweet. Yeah. There's sweet-ass map in this thing, too. And then there's something called the Clone Flu from Shadows of the Beanstalk, I believe, um, I don't. I haven't listened to the Dice Pool podcast, but I think this inspired him to create this um, adventure. 
And it's uh, Genteki's clones are dying of a never-before-seen strain of influenza. The company believes they know who's behind the outbreak, but they need some freelancers to prove it. Pretty cool. And that's like a two-page adventure. So um, very nice. Yeah, these are pretty cool. This is kind of your. This is kind of your. Oh, not everybody really showed up. Let's run a one shot kind of thing, maybe. Oh, like I really screwed up the last time we had our uh, Saturday night game. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, we we had our Saturday night game a couple weeks ago, and uh-huh. you and Daryl couldn't make it, so I decided to run a one shot for the Grognards, mm-hmm. and uh, I let them make their own characters, and then tried to run them through the FFG one shot. Yeah. Um, and they made non-combat characters. Oh, that's so cool. Well <laughs> done, <that> everybody. <laughs> and that one shot is absolutely combat-driven. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I had... So awesome. I, well, we, got, we had to get creative. <laughs> Let's put it down. Mm, awesome. <laughs> so, it yeah, went, still it went, it went well. Cool. And, and these one-shots could be, you know, sometimes a, a little seed to... Spark up maybe a long, longer term adventure or little campaign. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Kind of a fill in for an adventure if you want to. Yeah, yeah, cool. Um, very nice. I like the idea. I really do. Yeah, these are pretty sweet. Very good. So well, well then, uh, pocket contents. We award you fifty pieces of awesome. Sweet. Well Each. done. Is that for each entry or just for the whole thing? No, no, no. That's no. for the whole thing. We're, yeah, we're, no, you know, we're gonna bust our budget. I might have messed. I might have messed up again. <laughs> I might have messed up again. I could have like <laughs> totally milked this one too. You know, <laughs> oh, here's another one shot. But you know, that seems kind of cheesy. This <laughs> this concept of the one shot adventures. Yeah. Yeah. Twelve and a half uh, piece of awesome for each one. Each uh, twelve and one shot. <laughs> yeah, awesome. <laughs> Like or a total of 60 pieces of awesome. Yeah, you gotta break them. Yeah, pieces of eight. Here's your, oh. here's your four pieces of eight. Well, shall Anyways, we get on to the main yeah, subject of our show? And the name of our... Uh, the, the name of our... Um, uh, what do you call it? Episode is what, Tony? Equip it good. Alright, let's get into it. Equip it. Equip it good. All right, everybody, here we are. Welcome to the books of Genesis. Yay, that actually turned out pretty good, even though I got a little sick. (laughs) I didn't hear any phlegm at all. Good job. There we go. Good. Um, Open up your books of Genesis to page 82. Sorry, your core book to page 82. And if you're in a PDF, it's page 83, <laughs> like myself. Um, and we are going to talk equipment. Because, uh, yes. yeah. Um, and, I, you know, I guess we want to start off by, yeah, there's going to be, we're going to talk like some rarity, you know, what that means. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to go into like encumbrance, some item qualities. I kind of want to go through. A lot of the there are, as I was reading, I sh- some of the item qualities. I'm like, oh, so that's how that one works. <laughs> that it might be doing wrong. So we might want to spend a little more time on those. I'd like to and go through Certainly. some of them. Um, so, so let's kick this puppy off with um, 
let's boilerplate here. Sure. Because in, in Genesis, you have three, count them three, mm-hmm. types of equipment. There you go. Yeah, that's there you go. Yeah, let's start there. Okay. So what are those three? Number one, you have weapons. Mm-hmm. Those will have a certain type of stats. And yes. then you have, number two, you have armor, which yep. will have a certain type of stats. And then you have the catch-all for everything else. Mm-hmm. Cyberware, bio uh, mods, mm-hmm. uh, communication uh, devices, tools. Yep. Anything under the sun falls under gear. gear. Yeah. Falls under gear. And then you could go you can go into subcategories of gear, which is medical equipment, communications equipment, those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. If you'd like. But that's basically a matter of just grouping the that type of gear together. So and depending on your game, there's another category called sex toys, but that's another matter. Uh, right. right. <laughs> I don't know what kind of game you play there, Stephanie. Hey. Who doesn't but, role play, right? Yeah, well, yeah. I play. I play, Ge- I, I play Genesis with three X's. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> all right. Anyways, so I'd never play Genesis with Genesis with my X. I'm just saying. So all right. Um, <laughs> so let's get into rarity. Let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of self-explanatory. And how rare something is. <laughs> Where can you find it? Right. To buy. And in Genesis, mm-hmm. it's on a scale of 0 to 10, with yeah. 10 being the hardest. Yeah. yeah. With stuff that's, you know, very hard to get, very hard to find, and sometimes restricted. Mm-hmm. You know, not everyone can buy, you know, I don't know, plutonium. <laughs> not everybody. <laughs> not yet, Maybe anyway. if you're from Canada, you can't. In America, <laughs> we might have that later on. No. <laughs> I mean, so not, what we only, have. not only to purchase, but even to trade, like to sell it and to trade. Yeah, well, even, there's a rarity. Rarity is involved in that as well. Yeah, even a chance to, to find it. You know, you, you, even if you don't, you know, uh, you don't have maybe the contacts to, to try to find this stuff. It's like, okay, I, I need, uh, you know, armor-piercing bullets. Well, you know, I'm just a guy who works at uh, the bake shop. You know, I don't know the contacts to find this kind of ammo. <laughs> And, th- and this is vague for a reason. As you, mm-hmm. uh, it allows GMs to have the freedom to make getting hard things a difficult or a a, a it could be a, an encounter. It could mm-hmm. be um, yep. something that you have to role play out. I yeah. used to have a rule that anything over a certain when I played the certain D Shift Seven D game that anything over a certain GP amount you had to role play trying to buy. Oh, there you go. That's cool. Um, and so, similarly, in Genesis, you can set that. Uh, my bar is anything that usually is um, in a smaller, you know, depending on the, the area you're in, in a smaller city, anything above five, you're going to have to role play out or you're going to have to roll at least to try and get. Mm-hmm. And then from there, you can go, you know, uh, you can kind of tweak it depending on the setting that the players are in. Right. And you might not want to do that for everything. That they're going right. to grab, right? I mean, because me... Now, when I was in high school, <laughs> and when I was first playing the D-Shift 7D game, yeah, we spent two hours in Oye Magic Shop or buying <laughs> equipment or whatever, right? Now, that's It can be crap. fun. I don't you wanna, can have story hooks in there, you man. You can have story hooks yeah. and stuff in there, but nowadays, no, nah, man. I don't want to bookkeep and whatever and do stuff. But there well, can yeah. be pretty, some pretty neat things you can do to try and find some items 
So what kind of checks would we make to find these items? There's well, like three. There's a couple skills you can use. There's right? uh, there's three really. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one is, and the one you're going to use the most is going to be negotiation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, then the second one, when you're looking for anything that's a illegal or black market item, mm-hmm. is going to be streetwise. Right. Like for those armor piercing bullets, Stefan oh, yeah. wants to find. Yeah, that's it. Or the plutonium, <laughs> so to speak. And a, th- oh, and a third. Nothing suspicious here. No, nothing suspicious. <laughs> and a third that I never knew existed until I read this chapter again the mm-hmm. other day. Um, you could use knowledge skills yeah. to up that would apply to so for instance if you're say in a setting that has knowledge science and you're trying to get something scientific apparatus or something you could use your knowledge skill to get it mm-hmm. yeah. uh, the knowledge, knowledge warfare for military exactly equipment if yeah. you're trying to get something with a knowledge then the mm-hmm. knowledge that it would apply is what you would roll right so would you right. go so and, here's a question would mm-hmm. you go as far as using like mechanics or medicine or computers to find items related to those skill checks and disciplines or I, not. you know I don't know if that's the purvey of those particular skills um, but if you say we're trying to negotiate or do a streetwise check or even a knowledge check, mm-hmm. and you had a lot of ranks in one of those skills, I would apply some boost dice. Okay. Because, I mean, in a way, making a medicine check, it kind of is a knowledge check. Because you right. need knowledge to do medicine, right? So you do have some sort of knowledge. Well, yeah, just but, like my knowledge computers. Yeah. Yeah, I like the idea. I like the idea. You can determine what. You should you find a contact? What is he telling you? Is he selling you is, is the right part you want for your computer or not? Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> but I like your idea, Tony, there of adding boost dice based on the number of ranks in a linked kind of skill. That's cool. That's cool. All right. So we have a chart here on page 82, mm-hmm. uh, table 15-1, the rarity table. And that just tells you, gives you a, a ballpark of what something should be and how uh, rarity it is, what the difficulty of the check to find it is, and it, it gets to goes from simple checks for things that are zero and one items, all the way, or zero and one rarity, all the way to formidable five dice for a ten rarity item, which it describes as a military strategic bomber. Or would be a rarity, <laughs> or the plutonium. <laughs> now, it also has up above in a note here. For rarities higher than 10, and well, you're thinking, wait a minute, the scale only goes to 10. Well, the scale goes to 10 on the inherent rarity of an item. Mm-hmm. However, there are modifiers over on the next page, rarity mm-hmm. modifiers for where you're looking for it, what you're looking for, and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. And um, so those rarities would uh, could increase over 10. And for every rarity uh, rating over 10, for every one, you should upgrade the difficulty of the formidable check. Mm-hmm. So just if you, say, are looking for that military strategic bomber 
in an active war zone, you're looking at a yeah. 13 <laughs> a rarity. Which seems counter, which seems counter um, intuitive to me. I don't think so. Would you Why? be looking for a strategic bomber in a ground battle? An active but, war zone. That's where I would be looking for a freaking bomber. Dude. No, 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 no. Those things are going to be kept behind friendly lines, way back where they can take well, off. Okay, I understand. Okay, you know, I did serve in the United States Armed Forces here. I do know these things well, just a little bit. All right. Well, I appreciate you explaining the counterintuitiveness yeah. of this. Okay, then how about this one? <laughs> Post disaster <laughs> wasteland. Why is my plutonium harder to find? No. <laughs> Sorry. A post-disaster wasteland? <laughs> Plus oh, man. Man. It's All everywhere. It's been used. <laughs> it's used <laughs> up already. It's been used up. You and now have to design a plutonium collector. <laughs> there we go. Just pull it out of the atmosphere. And that bomber in the active war, war zone, you might find one, but it'll be a wreck. <laughs> well, <laughs> it might hey, need a few repairs. Right. You're right. That's right. <laughs> you'll find a wing over here, a seat over yeah. there. <laughs> There you okay, go. So it gets into selling items also. Not just are you mm-hmm. buying items, but you sell items too. So yep. it says here, page 83, what's it say there, Stefan, about selling an item? Um, oh, you want me to. How much do you work here, buddy? Come on, step <laughs> you don't up. You need to read aloud, just paraphrase <laughs> it. You should have done your homework. Call yes, me out. Call me out, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. So when selling an item, then your character needs to make. A negotiation check, because again, he wants to, of course, to have the best price possible, mm-hmm. and of course, that will be determined by again the uh, the rarity of of the item. So, if it's really rare, you have a better chance of getting a high price. Mm-hmm. Uh, and your character can generally sell an item though for a quarter of its cost if you succeed, and increasing that to one half if you get at least two successes, and maybe even three quarters if you get three successes or more. That's cool. So, and then you can adjudicate with your GM, you know, if you have advantages and uh, and triumphs, what the what that would what do. more you can get exactly, and then mm-hmm. the all important despair as well. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, you are able to sell those enemy guns here. However, local <laughs> constabulary has been looking for those mm-hmm. guns, and they <laughs> will be here in two minutes. Tipped off. Yes, <laughs> they've been tipped off, and these red and white lights that are. Uh, Red and blue lights are flashing in the windows. <laughs> this is the welcoming committee. It's a whole new encounter. Exactly. <laughs> All right. We kind of brushed on it a little bit, but... Our rival gang wants those guns. <laughs> yep. We brushed on it a little bit, but what's it say on the black market stuff, Chris? Well, the black market stuff, you would basically be using, instead of negotiation to, to sell these items or buy, or buy items, you'd use Streetwise. Because you need you need those underground contacts, and that's kind of lumped inside in in the streetwise check, and such there. So and that's in the, that's in the sidebar on eighty five here black market <laughs> items. So now um, in a system, yeah, go ahead. Uh, in a system like okay, let's I'm going to use the example of Star Wars where you mm-hmm. have knowledge you have knowledge underworld and streetwise both in there. I would even go so far as to have knowledge underworld be what you use to find items. And then streetwise be what you use to buy and sell them. Yeah, that well, could work. No, knowing um, where to buy and sell. Well, if you remember what they explain, how they explain the difference that I've always seen 
under knowledge underworld versus streetwise is mm-hmm. underworld i know the item i know they sell plutonium or <laughs> on this planet <laughs> right on earth right okay um and i know that this maybe this gang might do it but then once you're there streetwise is used to find it you know what i mean yeah finding the that's exact one spot of the, of- that, that's one of the things where you know that's what i've always found but I would go so far as I would even use either, to be honest. I wouldn't mind, you know, Knowledge Underworld, Knowledge, or Streetwise. They're very similar. But I, if, you use, if you use Knowledge Underworld, I'd make it harder. I'd, I'd increase yeah. the difficulty by one. But I would still allow it. I would still Knowledge Underworld be used to find black market items, but I'd make it just slightly harder. Well, yeah, because you're not dealing with people yet. You're just trying to get like where where's a good place to start? Yeah, you know to. Uh, I mean, you know, that's the, the way I see. Moss Isley, oh yes, the the wretched hive of scum and villainy. Definitely <laughs> yeah. can find yep. smugglers there and uh, <laughs> a right off planet. <laughs> now, back to your original question about computers, because I just had a sure. thought. Yeah. What if the item being bought and sold is being bought and sold over the web? Uh-huh. Like in an Android setting, and you're doing the hmm, the net. That's a good idea. And you're right. ordering stuff. Then I would think maybe computers instead of negotiation. I would even use Knowledge yeah. Net in in Android. I was use use Knowledge the Net for that. There you go. That's There's right. Your knowledge yeah. knowledge you Net. There you go. Yeah. Sure. Finding mm-hmm. the chat rooms that uh, have that, and especially yeah. if it's call, illegal. Buddy. Yeah. yeah, dude. I just realized I'm going to be running more Android, so I got to get this mm-hmm. down. Got to get it down. Yeah. Uh, Chris is not just a pretty face. <laughs> oh, thank you there, right. Stefan. Dorian so Gray. He's got, he's got a nice ass, too. <laughs> what? <laughs> you said so that out loud, on to the next section. Let's talk about Chris's nice ass. The encumbrance value. The encumbrance <laughs> value. Well, there was, there was something I want to maybe touch on real quick. There's the sure, whole... Right. There's a whole if you're running some sort of like smuggling operation, or if you're, oh, yeah. you're if you're moving like the trade goods thing, yeah. right? Where you take a bulk of like spice or guns, guns. and you're gun running or whatever, right? Um, if you would take it from one place to another, and it makes it even rarer if you take it mm-hmm. like if you're going from like a like a metro metropolitan city, right? And you want to take guns or whatever out to like some rural area which makes it a little more rare yeah. then the cost involved in trading you would use this table 5-3 on page 83 to um, figure out that final cost when you make that negotiation check or streetwise check if you're selling these unwanted black market goods or or legal or items you, too. Or, you, or even items that are highly sought after in another place. You, know, you're, mm-hmm. you buy you buy medicine in North America, and you go to Africa and sell them. Like, yeah, we want medicines. Yeah, <laughs> and something like that would be like probably you'd increase the, the rarity by three, right? Um, frontier location, maybe active war zone. Mm-hmm. Um, At least frontier those kind of kinds locations. Of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, a rural. Yeah, definitely I mean, not. I mean, you just look. Popular. Yeah, so it'll either be times two or even times three the price, something like that. Mm-hmm. But you'll use that table to kind of use that guy okay. i just wanted okay. to mention that no problem that was a good idea interesting thing there and gm's right. got to watch out your your players will always want to game the game 
So read up on this. Be familiar with it. Because <laughs> yep. if you have players like I have players, <laughs> they'll want to get always. You can always determine something can't be sold in some location or can't exactly. be bought there, period. Regardless of what the rarity of the items yep. are, regardless of where you can, you know, hey, great, you just land on Lilliput. You're not getting a freaking human-sized tank there. Sorry. <laughs> exactly. No, we don't have plutonium here. This is Canada. <laughs> and, they don't and have human-sized swords. <laughs> and I know, I, know, I know you tens of listeners that are out there are saying, but aren't you saying no? No, you're saying, yes, you can buy that here. If there was a place to buy it here. See, you're still saying yes. Yes, right. if. <laughs> That's a yes, if. Yes, and. <laughs> yes, and if it was available. <laughs> but it's not. Uh, anyways. We just yeah. sold the last bit of plutonium to this other guy. So, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Encumbrance. Talk to encumbrance us, Tony, about values encumbrance. encumbrance threshold. So, encumbrance values, your items are going to have an encumbrance of... Basically, one through five or six. What's encumbrance? Uh, what does it mean? The encumbrance is, is yeah, it, it's it's a weight. It's their bulk. It's mm-hmm. their nice. difficulty to carry. So it's more of a like a measure of their weight, mass, and collective bulk. Yep. Um, it's not weight alone. Right. Um, you know, carrying around three bushels of hay, you you know, pretty bulky. Able, it's heavy. Yeah, it's, it's pretty bulky. Hard. You may be the strongest dude in the world, but it's really unwieldy. So it's going to be really hard, mm-hmm. um, that kind of thing. So the, and the equi- encumbrance values for equipment, like I said, is going to have a rating of one to uh, – well, actually, it's zero. from zero, zero. to uh, about five or six. You, anything more than six and you're getting beyond what a, what a humanoid is going to be able to pick up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so how do we know? What can we pick up? How is that calculated? Well, that's something I'm always wanting to know. You have your encumbrance threshold. Mm -hmm. Your encumbrance threshold is calculated by using the rate uh, the rating of five plus your brawn rating. So, for the typical average human, that would be an encumbrance threshold of seven. That means they could carry around seven encumbrance worth of stuff. Gotcha. now, that does not include, because armor has its own rules about encumbrance, that does not include the armor being worn. Because carrying around a suit of plate mail in your arms is a lot different than resting it on your shoulders, wearing it where it's supposed to be worn, mm-hmm. because it spreads the weight about your whole body. Mm-hmm. So what they say, the rule is, is that the encumbrance value of an armor is reduced by three when it is worn. Down to a zero. Down to a zero. Mm-hmm. So, with that, a full suit of plate mail being about five or six, mm-hmm. your your plate mail will still have some encumbrance to it, mm-hmm. but it won't be near as bad. So, so Stefan, yep. what happens if I'm wearing or carrying something over this threshold of seven that I may have on average? What what happens? Well, we, then you start suffering from the effect of carrying all that weight. So eventually, okay. you know, you get sore muscles and tired, and that's represented by you know, assigning some uh, some setback dice to your agility and brawn-based skills. Because you can't move properly, you like I said, you're carrying it, so your muscles get tired. So if you try some of those kinds of skills, well, mm. there you go. <laughs> and that's for every... I to swing my sword, but I have... The, both the shield and the backpack that has all the gold and my plutonium as well. <laughs> and, 
<laughs> the goal with How that, uh, that's the theme, yeah. the plutonium yeah. theme show. Yeah. <laughs> and and the lead-lined <laughs> case in it as well in the backpack. So. <laughs> yep. So how do I determine how many setback dice to give them? Mm-hmm. It looks mm-hmm. like here it's for every point above your encumbrance limit. So if I, yep. so if that plutonium put my put my threshold up to like a nine, yeah, that'll be usual threshold is seven, right? Okay. But if that does put it up to a nine, there's something called excessive encumbrance. So if it is higher than my brawn rating, so my brawn rating is two. So if mm-hmm. I'm carrying anything higher, two, two or more above like seven, um, then it's going to hurt. So that would be, so actually it would be anything over nine. So at 10, I would start feeling it big time. Yeah. Right. And what does that mean when you're feeling it? Well, it means that I lose my free maneuver, for one, mechanically speaking. So you just can't walk? No, it's not free. I have to suffer strain uh-huh. to do it. Aha! Right? Yeah, All right. it's not free anymore. It does cost me something. Um, so there you go. So it's yeah. uh, it, it cool. now starts to cost you a finite resource, so you're, yeah. you're not going to be carrying more than your weight for long. <laughs> nope. Or could you... Could you downgrade your action to a maneuver to move? Yeah, but I wouldn't get an action. Well, yeah, I wouldn't you won't, get an action. But you, yeah. yeah, but then you're sacrificing an action, but you don't suffer the strain. Right. But you're just concentrating on, ugh, this is heavy. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> you now are a mule. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So it gets into, you know, calculating lifting. that mm-hmm. uh, lifting That's into different. the next part here. Mm-hmm. Uh, if your character needs to lift an object with an encumbrance value greater than their encumbrance threshold, such as an ally who has fallen off a gantry or ledge, they must make an athletics check. The difficulty, the, the base difficulty is easy. If the object's encumbrance value is one more than your character's encumbrance threshold, uh, you should increase that difficulty by one for every additional point over up to a maximum encumbrance or uh, maximum encumbrance of four and a difficulty of daunting. Mm-hmm. So a character with a draw, brawn of two and a threshold of seven, for example, tries to lift a rock with an encumbrance value of 10. That's three over his encumbrance threshold. Mm-hmm. It's a hard lift check. Mm-hmm. Simple. That's it. Yep. But All right. if the strong stuff in here... Yes. Wants to help me with that rock, and he has a brawn of three. There's an example down here. Mm-hmm. He adds his brawn to my encumbrance threshold. So then your combined encumbrance threshold becomes ten. Becomes ten, and then we can just do it. Do it you guys could just both run with the rock, maybe. Who knows? <laughs> that would be fun I'd to look at. Back nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But... All right. All right so, so that's that. So it talks that. about concealing our gear here. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it's to happen. That, yeah. you know, someone wants to hide that lightsaber or uh, knife or yeah, uh, that is that a chip that they just pocketed. <laughs> yeah, which they say something here. They say this is interesting. Um, an encumbrance value of one or less can be hidden easily. You don't really even need to make a check to hide That's the right. item. Um, which is However, makes sense. Yeah. Instead. 
if another person is trying to search you. Yep. You're walking into a, mm-hmm. a, a police station and there's mm-hmm. a guy with a wand searching everybody for guns and drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you've got your uh, little plastic pistol hidden in your boot. Yep. Right next to my dime bag of Coke. <laughs> <laughs> That's a perception check yeah. on behalf of the individual trying to, and it's opposed by your character's stealth. Mm-hmm. And you're going to add one uh, boost die to the searcher's check for every encumbrance value over one that is due to the hidden item. And that's if you're trying to hide multiple items, you, ca- you accumulate that too. Mm-hmm. So, And because that guy searching has the right tool for the job, I would say. Oh, yeah. He'd get a, yeah. he'd get a boost die as well on it. Correct. Well, so if he's trying to detect metal and your item is does have some metal on it, well, yeah. Yep. Now let's say you're walking down the street, you're wearing a trench coat, and you've got a shotgun hidden in it, and a mm. cop walks across the street. What kind of check is that? Still an imposed check, but in that case, it's his vigilance against your stealth. Because he's, because not, he's not actively not... searching. No, exactly. And Unless, you know, you piss him off or you're, yeah. you're, you flip the bird at him. <laughs> then he might actively look. But that's that's the main difference between perception and vigilance. Mm-hmm. Perception is picking out the details in the environment that you know about. Vigilance is picking up new things that come into your environment that you don't necessarily know about. So it would be right. that that um, person walking on the street. Oh, yeah. So oh, it's, it's, think of it as an active versus passive, you know, sonar <laughs> kind of. Yeah. You can and you can apply this rule and a little fast and, and easy rule here. I just so you know, um, concealing something. Uh, if you wanted to hide, say, a rifle in a dumpster, okay, with and the dumpster can hold a lot, and mm-hmm. a rifle with an encumbrance value of four, that's pretty easy. To hide something in there. Mm-hmm. Likewise, hiding a person on a big starship. You know, you can totally... Now, you with that stuff, instead of using uh, encumbrance values to kind of give you the math on it, you would use silhouette. Mm-hmm. Right? But, yeah. But uh, those things, you know, hiding a, hiding a small child in a car. You know, a car with a silhouette of two and a small child with a silhouette of zero, it's going to be pretty easy to hide him in there. Yep. So, yep. So just oh, yeah. something, you know, as a, as an idea there. All right, now we get into the part of the book that you wanted to cover the most, Chris, and that is the item qualities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because sometimes these are little. Um, I always have to sometimes come and reference these because I forget. But one of the main rules that everybody needs to remember mm-hmm. is item qualities can be either passive or active. Either there's a quality that's always on, or there's an active quality, which means it needs to be triggered. And typically, that's if now it's on if it's on a weapon, um, you have to hit. You have to succeed at hitting in order to activate the quality, and that's typically to advantage, unless otherwise specified in the item quality description. And then there are one or two of them that if you do miss, you can still activate it. And we'll get into those. And there are qualities that are both beneficial and not so beneficial. (laughs) There is that. (laughs) That's right. 
All right. And one thing is got a little sidebar here because it mentions some of these mentioned the base damage of a weapon. That is going to be the damage number that a weapon gives. So if you look, for example, at the example uh, weapon on page 91, uh, the knife, or excuse me, the revolver, it's going to have a base damage of six. That is your weapon's base damage. Now, if you have effects, meaning spell augmentations or uh, uh, modifier, or excuse me, modifications or even um, I'm trying to think of something else, the talents, thank you, uh, mm-hmm. that would uh, <laughs> increase the base damage of the weapon. Mm-hmm. So you have to make sure that your base damage of the weapon is, is you have mm-hmm. that number because right. that number becomes important for some of these talents and then the or base, some of these uh, qualities. Yeah, and then the base damage of the knife is a plus one, which means you'll add your brawn to it. So it would be brawn plus one would be your base damage for a knife. And that's the way it is for all hand-to-hand weapons, melee weapons. Yep, yep. So Okay, let's get into them. Let's take the first one. Sure. So accurate is a passive quality that's always on. You have an accurate weapon, you always get to add a boost die whenever you're wielding this weapon. And Stefan, you don't ever have to ask for one. <laughs> no, don't even have to. Because we always get it. Cool. <laughs> What's the now, next this one? is a... This is well. That's leveled also. Uh, so for each level of that quality, it adds a boost die. So if you have accurate two, it adds two boost dice. Oh, so you can get accurate again. Nice, nice, very nice. All right, very, very nice. balanced, very high quality or whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay, so All which right. of you two want to take the next one? I'll, I'll take, take it. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Auto fire. A weapon with auto fire can shoot in a rapid succession potentially spray an area area with bolts, flechettes, slugs, or other projectiles. The advantage of using autofire is that you can hit multiple targets or hit a single target multiple times. Mm-hmm. Attacking with a weapon on autofire is generally less accurate, so therefore you must immediately increase the difficulty on the combat check. The user may not... Mm-hmm. may choose not to use the auto-fire quality on the weapon. In this case, they do not trigger this quality. They cannot trigger the quality um, and suffer the aforementioned, and, and do not suffer the aforementioned penalty. If the attack hits, the, tri- the attacker can trigger auto-fire by spending two advantage. So it just doesn't automatically hit multiple times. You actually have to spend two advantage. And auto-fire can be triggered mm-hmm. multiple times. So with four advantage, you can do twice. Yep. Um, but you and still have to time, hit. You have to hit. And, and each time the attacker triggers auto fire, it deals additional an additional hit to the target or additional tar- uh, targets. Each of these counts as an additional hit from the weapon, and each hit deals base damage plus one for the number for each success, uncanceled success. Mm-hmm. Uh, this additional these additional hits can be allocated to the original targets or to other targets within range. Mm-hmm. However, if you wish to hit multiple targets, you have to choose the hardest to hit target to, for your role. Right. One with the highest so, difficulty and highest defense. Correct. Yeah. So yeah. if you're wanting to hit the nemesis boss and all of his minions, you got to aim at the boss. Yep. Yeah. Because he's got three levels of adversary, and he's at you know, if, unless, unless the and then there comes into a little bit. Of, 
it's up to the GM who mm-hmm. who is the hardest person to hit. Just keep that in mind. Whether because there you may end up with someone at medium range that's easier to hit than someone that it's extreme range and so on and so forth. So, um, not to get into the minutia of it, it's up to mm-hmm. the GM who's the harder to hit. Right. And and uh, the GM chooses the initial target and tells you the difficulty. Yep. The initial hit must always be against the initial target, and then subsequent hits generated can be allocated to any other targets in the area. Autofire weapons can also activate one critical injury for each hit generated on the attack per the normal rules, and the critical injury must be applied to the target of the specific hit. So if you hit the same target twice, you can activate critical twice. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. You just need to, you just, as long as you have the advantage to do it. That would be six advantage. Or the, or the triumph. <laughs> well, it depends. Whatever the critical rating is on your weapon. Yeah, right? if the crit was only two, it'd be six advantage needed. If it was more than that, it'd be more than that. So, All right, on to the next one. Yeah, but you still have to spend, so if you hit, so if you activate it, let me get this straight now. If you activate a critical injury, you have to hit the, you have to activate crit on the first hit, then you need to spend more advantage to activate crit on the second hit. Correct. But you okay, also have to have some said. of those. <laughs> yeah, but, but you also need to activate, use some of those advantages to activate auto fire. Yes. Hence Correct. The six. I understand. Math hard. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> so you're you're better off not using some of those triumphs to activate crits. <laughs> yes. And Alrighty typically, then. glad you said that, Stefan. I did mention typically it costs two advantage to activate a special quality on a weapon you can always mm-hmm. use a triumph to do it to activate a quality on a weapon as well yeah not just a crit but you have to still hit to do it yep <laughs> on most of these exactly all right dude talk to me about blast all right what is blast? this is a bl- this it's is what my cat weapon. just did in this room i'm serious is that wow. why you're waving your hand around Yes. Oh, I thought that was more of a variation of burn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, it's blast. Right. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, this, this ahead. is a weapon that has a large spread, an explosive blast or similar effect, you know, like a grenade or okay. uh, a missile, uh, a rocket launcher. So if, again, the attack succeeds uh, and blast activates, then each character engage with the original target that you were aiming at suffers a hit mm-hmm. equal to the, dam- the base damage plus any uncanceled successes as well. Yeah, what's important there is those three Very. words that are in parentheses. <laughs> Friend or <No>. foe. <laughs> Friend or foe. That's it. So, because, you know, usually those kinds of weapons are indiscriminate. You know, <laughs> you know if it's collateral damage, well, that's kind of what it means. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it says also, like, in a relatively small or enclosed area, the Game Master might decide that everyone in the room suffers damage no matter what. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, basic physics, you know, explosions, bounces against the wall, and hits comes back in. Yeah, like my favorite drink, Fireball. (laughs) It's addressed to everyone in the room. (laughs) (laughs) And if the blast quality doesn't activate, the ordinance still detonates, but bad luck or poor aim for the part of the uh, the firer when launched it uh, means that uh, the explosion may not catch anyone else in in its its own radius. Mm -hmm. But as I said, uh, as a caveat, however, the user can still 
uh, trigger the blast even if the attack misses. So this is one of the few occasions where even if you don't Mm -hmm. succeed, because it's like horseshoes and grenades, (laughs) close enough hit. Hand grenades, that's right. You can still use three advantages to activate blasts. So in this case, the original target and every engaged target uh, do suffer the base damage. Mm -hmm. But since they're not base damage, it's equal to the blast rating. Oh, the blast rating, sorry. Yep. Right. There's, that could be a big difference. Yeah. Or not, depending <laughs> what it is. So yeah, so when you see the, the number next to the blast radi- radius, that's if it misses, that's the base damage of a miss right. on your attack. Mm-hmm. Whereas cool. you use the base damage of the weapon, if you do succeed in hitting, then you can add your additional successes. That's right. Yeah, so, the, so your original target takes the base damage of the grenade. Mm-hmm. And then the surrounding friends and foes <laughs> takes the blast quality plus your uncanceled successes. And if you miss, well, no, the three. Well, if you succeed, mm-hmm. if you succeed, both the original target and everyone engaged suffers the base damage plus the successes. Oh gosh, the original target takes blast too. Oh, nice. Yeah. And that's how that's how Baka died. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if you miss, and if you miss, they only take the base damage of the blast quality. Gotcha. Because there's no successes to add, but and all all of them suffer that. And that's why Baka twitches whenever people suggest explosions. <laughs> yeah. well, don't go. play with them in elevators. That's right. I should. <laughs> I tried. <laughs> all right. I'll the take stairs are amazing. You're gonna take breach. elevator music. Yeah, I'll take breach. Uh, breach okay. is simple. Uh, mm-hmm. Weapons with breach burn through the toughest armor. They're often on heavy weapons or weapons m- uh, mounted on some sort of vehicle. Hits from weapons with breach, uh, with the breach quality, ignore one point of vehicle armor for every rating of breach. Mm-hmm. So that means they ignore ten points of soak on a personal scale. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. All right, so yeah. Beware breach on a personal scale. Yes. That's right. Watch out. Mm-hmm. Okay. Only so one take burn. I'll take burn. It's a bigger burn. one. Okay, yes. so when you hit, you can activate this burn quality. And basically, your target will suffer the um, weapon's base damage for a number of rounds equal to the burn rating. Okay? You can... If multiple targets get hit by a weapon with burn, you have to trigger it multiple times affecting each target. Okay? Um, and then um, they can put the burn out, if you will. Now, they will take this damage at the beginning of their turn. Their target will. So I don't think they'll take it. They take burn right away. It's when it starts their turn, they take the damage. Right, Tony? That's See? how I think that's how we've been doing it. Yeah. Um, and then um, on their turn, then they could take an action to make a coordination check of an average difficulty um, to try and um, put the burnout. Or jumping so in the water. They're going to suffer free. the damage at least once. Yeah, they're going to suffer the damage at least once. But they have to take an action to put it out, basically. That's what this means. Right. So, yeah. And that's a coordination check? That'd be a coordination check, average difficulty, on hard surfaces, or if they're in the grass or soft ground or sand or whatever, it would be an easier check. If they jump into water, stops it immediately. But if it's like a chemical burn, chemical things, 
then it could be, I don't know, could be more difficult. Right. I would think. So. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Removing oxygen and stuff, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, this is for assuming that it's fire or burn, you know, heat-based. Because yeah. right, burn I mean, can apply to acid as well, and yes. that requires a totally different uh, mm-hmm. circumstance to get rid of. So yeah, yeah and you might Could, use a you might use like a you know like an alchemy check to put it out, or however you huh. want to do it. I mean, it's I mean, just remember the yes and kind of thing, right? Medicine check, medicine no, checks, check. or something, Could, right? Right. Could you use burn to represent other types of damage? Like this is like generic, maybe. Uh, I would. System I don't. This is like. This is a system. Like a poison type of. Yeah, I mean there is. I believe there is a. Um, I mean this this mechanic, is, a good one for ongoing damage, right? Right. And I can't remember how do they do it for poison. Poison requires a resilience check. Yeah. yeah or else they're going to take the damage. So it's kind of the same, if you will. And poison's handled differently, but um, differently. you could use the, you could use the burn mechanic for any kind of yeah. ongoing damage, as long as you're you as the GM make it clear what it takes to the players to to remove it. You know, right. they mm-hmm. they assume they're hit with burn; they're going to assume fire. But if it's acid, say you require a a, a medicine check to, to mm-hmm. put it out, or I if would, it's poison, they re- it's a toxic poison. Maybe they require a resilience check to yeah. remove. And I would keep the difficulties kind of the same, right? I mean, I yes. would make the check average, and if the circ- if they can improve their circumstance, if they can, <laughs> I turn on a I turn on a fan, <laughs> you yeah, know. But maybe it's an I've easy. I've got a gas mask. Yeah, I put, uh, put on a gas mask. Yeah, something like that. All right, cool. All right, Stefan, you want to take the next one? Yes, concussive. It's an active uh, quality. In this one, uh, the weapon's attack can leave the target shell-shocked from mighty blows or punishing shockwaves. Mm-hmm. So that explosion, that you know, like blast, it can be combined with concussive. Yep. Uh, so that, uh, yeah, so it renders the target uh, unable to perform any but the most, the, the most basic actions. So once it's triggered, one target hit by the attack is staggered, mm-hmm. which you can check the, what that does on page. You can't take any actions. You can just move. There you go. Staggered and that's mm-hmm. yeah. And that's for a number of rounds equal to the weapon's concussive rating. Yep. So concussive three, three rounds. Oh, it says right there. Staggered and, target can't perform action. Duh. There you go. And if <laughs> and if multiple targets are hit from a weapon with concussive, concussive, like when it's combined with blast, for example, mm-hmm. the quality may be triggered multiple times, affecting different targets each time. Yep. There you go. That's cool. And at the default, most likely of two advantages per. Uh, to trigger. All right, Tony, you want to do the next one? Sure. This is the one I Cumbersome. think I've been doing. I think this is the one I've been doing wrong. <laughs> Cumbersome <laughs> is passive. Cumbersome, a weapon is large, unwieldy, and awkward and heavy. To wield a cumbersome weapon properly, the character needs a brawn characteristic equal to or greater than the weapon's cumbersome rating. For each point of brawn by which the character is deficient, they must increase the difficulty of all checks made using the weapon by one. I've been so, I've been adding setback die. Uh, not not uh, in our I don't think in our game, but I as a as a GM when I've run these games, I've been adding setback die. Is that different from no. Star Wars, or that's always no. been like that? Yes. 
Oh, I've I've been doing it wrong both times. It's not like a right. podcast or anything. You learn something new every day. Yeah, <laughs> that's why we do our homework and we read. <laughs> we learn with our listeners, all twelve of them. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Stefan, I'll take these next two because they're related, and then he could take sure. the one after that. So we okay. have defensive, passive, which is a passive quality, and deflection, which is a passive quality, both relating to defensive ratings. Um, mm-hmm. One is if a melee defense, if you're the defensive quality, um, it gives you a defensive rating versus melee attacks. Deflection gives you a defensive rating um, versus ranged attacks. So. And now there's key wording here. Mm-hmm. It says it increases. increases. So it doesn't, it doesn't. So if you already have a defensive rating, if increases. you have a weapon with the defensive quality or the deflection quality, it adds to that. Gotcha. It does not replace it. That's very saying. important. Thanks for clarifying that, Tony. That's very. No that's a good clarification there. Yeah, All right, no man. Let's go to the next one there. All right. The other one. Disorient, which is mm-hmm. also active. Uh, a little bit like concussive. Uh, the weapon, this weapon disorients and can daze an opponent. And when uh, when it's triggered, one target again that is hit by the attack is disoriented. Uh, disoriented targets uh, add setback dice to all their skill checks because mm-hmm. they're seeing stars or a bit rattled. Yep. Uh, and that's for a number of rounds equal to the disorient rating. rating. And again, just like concussive, if multiple targets suffer from Gotcha. It's from a weapon with disorient. The quality may be triggered multiple times. Mm-hmm. See now, the theme here. <laughs> yeah, audible as a GM. I've done it before. It doesn't. It's a, it's not a hard rule. It's not written in the book this way. But I have loud players to spend a triumph when rolled with a disorient weapon and mm. hitting multiple targets to allow it to affect every target in in the blast. Right. That's cool. Well, why not? Like it's that. a triumph. That's reasonable. Yeah, it's a triumph. Absolutely, it is. Yeah, that's cool. All right. Very so, nice. on to ensnare. Mm-hmm. A weapon with the uh, ensnare is another active quality. Uh, a weapon with the ensnare and binds the foe and restricts their movement. So, like concussive, it's very common. Like just like just like concussive, uh, it, it this one immobilizes them. Uh, so when ensnare is triggered, one target hit by the attack becomes immobilized. See page 114, blah, blah, blah. It just means they can't move, perform maneuvers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and um, if multiple targets suffer hits from a weapon with ensnare, the quality can be triggered multiple times, mm-hmm. affecting a different target each time. How long, you, how target, long are they ensnared? Uh, they are ensnared for a number of rounds equal to the ensnare rating, I think. Yep. That's what it yeah. says, yes. Ensnare rating. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And then the, the ensnared target may perform an action to attempt a hard athletics check on their turn to break free from the effect. Because nice. uh, they can't maneuver, but they can act. So. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. All right. Let's see. You get the hard one, buddy. This is the oh, toughest. Man, one. this is this is a tough one. All right. You can you can do it. And I just read it earlier. All right. <laughs> so the guided quality basically can only be triggered if it if an attack misses. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there you go. If it's triggered, 
you make a combat check at the end of the round. So after everybody's gone, okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah. As an out of turn incidental. And it's an average difficulty check. But instead of using your normal pool that you would make for the combat check, you're actually using it based on the guided quality of the weapon. So the guided rating, you add that many um, the green dice, your proficiency dice. Are they right. proficiency dice? They're not proficiency dice. Yeah, they are. They are ability yeah. dice. Ability dice. Sorry, ability, ability dice. And proficiency. Yeah. Um, and then if it's successful, the weapon strikes the target, and then you, then you resolve it, and then it's resolved normally from there. Now, it does um, take three advantage to activate. So in order, so basically think about it this way. If you're, if you're using a weapon with a guided quality, probably like a Panzerfaust in a Tanzhauser um, <laughs> setting that would hopefully be coming out sometime this year, blah, blah, blah. Come on. <laughs> um, <laughs> you have to miss with at least three advantage. Think of it that right. way, you know, for it to be guided and kind of come back around. Um, That's where you ask for those boost dice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And make sure um, your weapon is accurate. <laughs> yeah, so, and then it says the guided quality can activate on any subsequent combat check it makes, representing the projectile continuing to track the target. So even if it misses again, it continues to guide around and try and get it, right? Yeah. Only if it has three advantage. Yeah. Only if it has three advantage. Yeah. I mean, if you don't roll three advantage next time, yeah. it loses its lock on. And yeah. Goes. So that's a little side story on guided. Okay. I was running a Star Wars game, and we had a big starfighter kerfuffle going on, a mm-hmm. big huge dogfight, and there were literally at the end of the round four guided proton torpedoes <laughs> flying around, still trying to hit their targets three rounds I had to keep track of where these freaking proton torpedoes were through the whole for three rounds of combat as a GM that was hell <laughs> but I'm sure it made for a great session I only had five starfighters and a freighter in this fight plus a bunch of TIE fighters it was crazy <laughs> that's awesome Sorry. It just it was oh it took me back. I'm like, oh guided. Oh. <laughs> I, I still have PTSD. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Mm. All right, getting into inaccurate, Stefan. Yes. I can do the next two. They're they're pretty short. So sure. inaccurate. Inaccurate and inferior. Both are negative qualities. Both passive. Mm-hmm. So inaccurate is of course, you know, the opposite of the accurate one we talked earlier. And for every level of inaccurate, you add a setback dice to your pool. Cool. Because it's overbalanced. It's not, you know, it's poor quality. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's broke, partially broken, maybe. You know? And then we have inferior. So that's, uh, there's, no, no, there's an opposite quality to that, but we'll talk about it later. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one is, yeah, just a, a, a lower quality weapon, shoddy make, you know, like a a dwarven battle axe made by an elf, you know, something like that. So uh, you add automatic uh, threat uh, to all your checks. Uh, yep. So something bad might happen. You can still hit, you know, but uh, something awkward might happen. Uh, right. And reduce the chance of activating crits or other qualities. Mm-hmm. 
Now, one thing that's not listed here, but it is listed elsewhere, an inferior item also is considered as having one level of damage on it already. Really? <sighs> Where's that written? So, um, somewhere else in the book. I just don't know okay. where. I can't remember. Okay. But I, it is con- it is considered as having one one level of damage to it. So, mm-hmm. uh, it is effectively got. Mm. Um, Harder to repair okay. or hard or right. easier to sunder. Well, you'll get right. you'll get setback dice. I don't know about that though, dude. You don't? I don't know about that because I think they simplified it here. Might have been in Star Wars. Might have been. In if Star you have an inferior weapon, I would you would automatically get a setback die, one That's level true. of damage. Yeah. But there's no reason why you can't. Yeah. Okay. But we'll we we'll find out. We'll find out. When we get into, I just for some reason I remember seeing this somewhere. It might have been one of the Star Wars books. I've read so many. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) because that that would have been a nice detail to add into this particular paragraph, though, instead of putting it elsewhere. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This is true. All right, getting into knockdown. Knockdown is an active quality. Mm -hmm. Uh, When knockdown is triggered, one one target hit by knockdown is knocked prone. If multiple targets suffer hits from a weapon with knockdown the quality may be triggered multiple times affecting different targets each time unless specified otherwise knockdown only requires or requires two advantage to trigger plus one advantage per silhouette beyond silhouette one Mm -hmm. if you're trying to knock down a silhouette three uh uh, robot Mm -hmm. uh it's going to take four right and i think um matt g's um, Goliath, I think one of the things we told him, hey, make it a silhouette too, because it, yeah. it'll it'll take three three advantage to knock you down. You know, that's it. That was one of those things. Sweet. He's big, so he's more stable. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then, um, so then our next quality here is limited ammo, and it's a passive quality. And there there was a um, thread out on the FFG forums, somebody asking about like six shooters and pistols and all that other stuff um, about limited ammo. Now, the limited ammo quality, this is pretty much used for things that are kind of one-shot items, you know, like grenades or your rocket launchers or something like that. And basically, the limited ammo, the quality um, rating, uh, the rating, limited ammo rating, are the number of attacks you can make with the weapon before you have to reload it. And it's typically a maneuver. To reload, right? Um, like one of those, like the Chinese or Japanese crossbows, you know, that they had rapid reload kind of thing. Like that would be limited ammo, maybe like three. Sure. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. So something like that. Um, and we'll probably get into this towards the end of the at the end of this section. I think they have it. Yeah, like tracking ammo and whatever. Um, they basically say you know combat typically lasts three to five rounds. Um, so having those, you know, like the six shooters and having like limited ammo six, you might not want to, unless you've created a special rule that's like fan in the hammer kind of thing, right? Like in Deadlands, you can fan the hammer, you create something like that. Then you might go into doing more of a limited ammo quality there. Um, but typically it's used for the one use items and limited ammo. So gotcha. That's that one. Let's go yes. next to... Uh, I'll, do, I'll do the next one. Sure. Yep. I've actually used weapons that had that on my Star Wars games. Like, oh yes. Mm-hmm. Link autocannons. Come on, let's go. There you go. <laughs> so, yeah, some weapons are designed to fire together. Mm-hmm. 
at the same target. You know, they're usually turrets yep. um, with multiple guns, uh, like the uh, like the ones you see sometimes in Star Wars. So when a character fires linked weapon on a success, successful attack, the uh, the weapon deals one hit, and then you can spend two advantage to gain an additional hit. So every time, every two advantage, you can up to the rating of the link. So if it has link two, you can spend four advantage, basically, to get two more hits. Right. Uh, and that will do uh, the base damage plus number of uncancelled successes on the target. Usually you're aiming at the same target. Yeah. And that, and that is, that is, that's the most important quality or the most important yeah. thing about the linked quality is that all those have to go against the same target. Well, that's it because you're, you're basically aiming at one mm-hmm. target. It's not auto fire. That would be the auto fire. Yes. Uh, yep. That's one of the big <laughs> differences between auto fire and linked auto fire. That's you it. can hit different targets linked. You have to hit the same target. Well, think of mm-hmm. the X-wing. They have four, yep. four gun, four lasers, but they're linked. Mm-hmm. So they're the firing only at one Tie Fighter, not a whole bunch of Tie Fighters. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Alrighty then. Tony, you want the next one? Or you want me to take it? Go ahead. Okay, we have the Pierce passive quality, which is kind of like Breach, but not so badass. <laughs> so the no, Pierce more. quality, the rating of a pierce the level of pierce um ignores that amount of soak on the target now if the person's soak only has two and you have a pierce of three it still only just ignores two two soak that extra point of pierce basically has no further effect you don't do an extra damage or whatever but it just negates that amount of soak whatever the pierce rating is and that's a passive quality it's always on gotcha Next. All right, prepare. Mm-hmm. Items with this quality require time to set up before being used. The, the user must perform a number of preparation maneuvers mm-hmm. uh, equal to the item's prepare rating uh, using the, uh, before using the item. If the item is a weapon, uh, using it would be making attacks with the weapon. At your GM's discretion, moving with the item being knocked prone with the item or other disruptions may require the user to perform the preparation maneuvers again before using it. (laughs) So a good example is a crossbow. If you get knocked prone while trying to load a crossbow, the bolt's going to fall out. It's going to have, you're going to have to reload it. You're going to have to prepare again. That's right. You're not in a proper position. Exactly. And we, and we talked earlier about the revolver. Could you apply prepare to revolver? You know, assuming you know it only applies off after. That of course, is very interesting. Shot. You say that because in that same thread I was telling you about, they yeah. were talking about well, how can you only take some maneuver to load six shots? You know what I mean? But it, it is what it is. To reload a weapon is a maneuver because well, we're not uh-huh. talking six seconds here like a D shift seven D game. It's a little more okay. abstract. And takes a maneuver to, to reload, right? And right. who says they don't have a speed loader? That's it. Exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. Even but, back in the Wild West, they had they just changed out the cylinders. Exactly. There you go. Now, crossbows probably do have the limited ammo quality and a prepare rating. I think they mm-hmm. might, if we look in Tiernoth. I'm not going to. 
I'm not going to either. I might when um, Stefan's talking about the next one here, though. <laughs> All right. So there you go. Uh, the next one is Reinforced, which uh, definitely helps you protect uh, yourself against uh, certain effects like, oh, I don't know, uh, Sunder, as well as uh, Pierce and Breach. So basically the weapons uh, or item with reinforced quality are immune to sunder, so you can't be broken. They're made of, you know, adamantium or uh, particularly long, strong metals or composite materials. Mm-hmm. And armor with the reinforced quality make the wearer's silk immune to pierce and breach. So that, that nasty pierce that they had, you know, that Chris mentioned, it's like, yeah, whatever, you're piercing bullets. Mm-hmm. Ting, 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 ting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so be there. careful putting the reinforced quality on things <laughs> because it it tends yeah. to break a lot of different weapons. And by the way, as far as crossbows go, they just have a prepare rating. So you fire it, takes a number of maneuvers right. to reload. Yeah. There we right. go. That's how it is. All right. I'd like to bring up maybe one thing that sort of goes with bit reinforced. I have sure. thought of like my little house rule oh, to yeah. make a version of reinforced that's not quite as good as reinforced but mm-hmm. still pretty good that would still maybe apply in certain qualities in certain settings maybe in situations i call it resistant it's passive again it has a rating usually maybe one to three and it reduces basically the pierce quality uh, of any attack so if someone's uh arrows are pierce one and you've got an armor that's particularly reinforced made by dwarven craftsmen like uh, extra padding and so forth has mm-hmm. uh, or chainmail. Chain is chainmail chain the one that reduces it is better versus piercing? I don't know. Uh, I'm not a weapons guy, but not sure. I always thought that probably was either way. Yeah, but either way, mm-hmm. if you have an armor that has that, you just it negates the pierce quality. So it's a little less effective than reinforced, or but reduces it sense. the pierce quality. Yeah, by the um, number of levels of resistance. I got it. Okay, that's it. So if someone has Pierce 2 and you have uh, Resistant 2, well, they just cancel each other out. Cool. Is it out or out? It's out. Okay. We've been a little too serious. I, well, we're trying to get through a lot of material here. That's it. I know. So uh, that was my kind of... Uh, it's, it's something that costs less and you don't have to put a lot of ratings into it because most armors uh, you know armor only have up to three pierce three uh, right. three ratings I would right. limit it to one to three mm-hmm. and as as a reminder we talked about the burn associated with resistance like the burn resistant X so something maybe an armor that's made of a material that is more fire retardant or fire resistance yep. would be a, a good way of making this uh, to, to, to counter a burn weapon a burn weapon yeah that's cool if it makes sense in your setting you know if mm-hmm. it's if things with burn are common well there might be someone who makes a, an armor or something to protect you mm-hmm. that counters it a little bit. <laughs> I don't know. Like maybe in somebody's, what was that? Hellfire? What was yeah. it? <laughs> what was your setting you were going to do, Tony? <laughs> oh. Uh, <laughs> uh, Hellgate, Hellgate London. Hellgate, yeah, yeah that's, that's right. what it was. Or even like, like in a fantasy setting, you know, you've got a shield made out of red dragon scales. Well, it'll be resistant to, uh, to fire at the very least. <laughs> there you go. That's cool. 
I like that. Very nice. Very nice. Well, All right, go. moving on. So mm-hmm. uh, slow firing. Slow firing weapons is kind of similar to the uh, limited ammo quality and limiter, uh, also to prepare. Uh, but it's more of an auto-loading kind of thing. Slow firing weapons tend to deal incredible damage but need to recharge or cool down between shots. A weapon's slow firing rating dictates the number of rounds that pass before the weapon can be fired again Mm. uh, after attacking. For example, a heavy laser cannon with slow firing two must wait two rounds, two whole rounds of inaction before it can be fired again. Mm -hmm. Or like those um, 88s um, that that the Nazis in the Tannhauser setting they might take an extra. They might be slow firing too, as well, right? FFG, when you come out mm. with Tannhauser, yeah. <laughs> you know, whether it's overheating or just the mechanisms moving and preparing exactly. the next round. And... Exactly. All right. So our yeah. next one, our next quality is the stun quality. It's an active quality. These and two can... we should cover together because yeah, they're kind of similar. Yeah, so one is stun, which is an active quality. The other one is stun damage, which is a passive quality. Now, mm-hmm. when you're doing stun, um, uh, let me see. So when the stun quality is activated, it inflicts strain equal to the weapon's stun rating. This is strain and not strain damage. It's not reduced by soak. Okay? So this isn't strain damage. This is just strain. Now, the stun damage quality deals strain damage. Um, and this is what's reduced by soak. Now, there's a, um, I think in the uh, blasters and um, the blaster weapons in, um, in Star Wars, you could turn on the stun, the stun quality. quality, which does stun damage. Okay? Um, that's soaked by the targets. Soaked. Yeah, that damage yeah. is soaked. So, But you can also add to it with uncancelled successes. Yes. Whereas stun, it just causes mm-hmm. damage equal to it. Well, not causes damage, but it's it, it suffers. Causes, the target suffers strain, strain equal to the, equal stun to the rating. rating. Yep. That's it. So and you don't add, you don't add successes. uncancelled successes, right? No. Right. So those are two important, subtle <laughs> Qualities. So I use yeah. I love the ex- a great example of a weapon that uses both, and I go to Android uh, to the oh. stun gun. Oh yeah, uh, to the Android setting, the stun gun is it has a damage rating of six. It does stun damage, so it automatically is going to damage someone's son. But it has a stun rating of four. Okay. So with enough advantage, you can trigger a whole lot more strain inflicted upon your opponent for mm. to be precise that is unsoakable hmm i kind of know what my investigator might pick for a weapon how much does that <laughs> weapon cost uh, i have to look at that it's a 200 credits and it oh. uses melee as a skill keep in mind uh, uh, because what? it's basically a taser you're just uh, oh i get you somebody yeah. <laughs> Don't tase me, bro. All right. <laughs> Don't tase me, bro. <laughs> Don't tase me, bro. All right, All so right. there we go. Let's move on. All right. Sunder. Mm-hmm. Uh, when activating Sunder, the attacker chooses one item, usually the one that you're wielding, um, mm-hmm. to, uh, to by the target. Yeah, you 
You choose something wielded by your target. Sorry. This uh, is openly uh, wielded. It can't be something they're concealing. No, exactly. So something, mm-hmm. a weapon, a shield, an item on, out a, in their hand. on a belt. Yep. Yeah. A lantern, whatever. Mm-hmm. And you're trying to basically damage it. You're not, mm-hmm. not the target itself, but the item that he's holding. That's your target now. So the item is damaged by one step from minor to, you know, from, from undamaged to minor. Mm-hmm. Or if it's already damaged, moder- minor to moderate, etc., until it's uh, mm-hmm. completely destroyed. Uh, so there we go. Uh, if an all, yeah, if an all, uh, uh, let me start over. If an item already suffering major damage is the target of a successful sunder, it is then destroyed. So there's yeah. like three levels of damage before it's completely gone. Yep. And sunder requires only one advantage to activate, and may be activated even if the attack is unsuccessful. Oh, the sunder, cool. yeah, sunder nice. may be activated multiple times in the same attack mm-hmm. to represent maybe a very powerful hit, but each activation must be applied to the same target. Obviously, you know, mm-hmm. hitting his shield, then his armor, then his weapons. Like no, it's you all can't in one. hit armor. Armor is not right. openly wielded. No, true. Right. And then uh, yeah, potentially taking it from undamaged to destroyed in a single attack. So you might be able to uh, to destroy his his shield in one shot. Yeah, for four advantage. Hmm. You cannot sunder armor, uh, according to this, because it is not openly wielded. It has to be a weapon or a shield or an item in plain view on All right, a belt. Then why would so, I ever make? Then why would I ever make armor reinforced? I well because, because it says armor reinforced, reinforced quality immune to the sunder quality. Armor with the reinforced quality makes the wielder soak immune. To pierce and breach qualities. Ah, there it is. There is that. Armor, That's right. Armor. There it is the right there. Clearly breach. plain. <laughs> In plain English, my buddy. All right. Plain English. That's right. Of course, if your armor right. if your right. armor is reinforced, but you're not wearing it, it all it is also immune to sunder. <laughs> is it though? This is true. If you're just draping it over your shoulder, yeah, or just it's just lying there on the floor and you're trying is to hit it, it with your hammer. Is it reinforced? Because it doesn't it's, say that it is. It's technically no, technically at that point it's an item, <laughs> right? If you're so, holding on to it, it's an yeah. item with the reinforced quality. Therefore, it's treated as so an here's item. A, so here's a question: <laughs> If you're in the middle of donning your armor, <laughs> and you well, hold your it. shirt up and to block, holding, yeah, <laughs> or you've there got your you go. helmet, your helmet in your hands, and then he's trying to hit the helmet. Well. Yeah. It's openly wielded. It's in my hands. So. But you can't, you can't break it but because it's reinforced. All right. <laughs> That's a go. fun one to play out. Okay. That would be kind of neat. All right. So, okay, cool. Uh, so our next one is, is the opposite of, um, what is it? Inferior. Inferior. We have superior. It's a passive quality. Basically, you get to add advantage to all checks with the item. Yeah. And, and while we're talking about it, I was mistaken about the inferior quality. It used to say in the Star Wars setting that it redu- increased its encumbrance by one and reduced its damage by one for an inferior item. That that's isn't that's that's kind of good. I like oh, that. Okay. To be honest. Now, okay. that's not how it is in Genesis. It's not how it's written. Rules as written. But if you wanted to apply the Star Wars rule to an inferior item, it does one less damage like and it. an encumbrance is one more. That's fine. It doesn't There you hurt. go. Yep. Yeah. Okay, cool. sorry. All right, superior. Did it. All right. Tractor. Oh, sorry, next one. Stefan, you want to pick that one since you live on a farm? No, just kidding. (laughs) Tractor, yes. 
<laughs> the tractor beam, you know, the John Deere thing. <laughs> Excuse me. So, in this one, uh, very much more common in sci-fi settings. Tractor, it's a passive ability. Instead of firing, mm-hmm. searing beams of laser or crackling ion discharges, the weapon fires a relatively harmless electromagnetic beam that ensnares and holds it uh, fast in space. So, like all weapons, they're fired at their target using the appropriate skill and all modifiers uh, for range and so forth. And once it's hit, the target may not move unless its pilot makes a successful piloting check against a difficulty equal to the tractor beam rating. So, you want that rating to be really high. Yep. So I, so I imagine, you know, the Death Star had a, probably a rating of 5 versus, you know... Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. There you go. And then if the target is target is an individual character, the character is immobilized while the beam is active. Oh, there we go. Yep. Weapons yeah. with attractive quality are only going to show up, yeah, in sci-fi, rating, sci-fi settings most likely. Mm-hmm. All right, Tony, take us out with the next two, buddy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, we have two more passive abilities. The last, uh, last, second to last one is unwieldy, which is the converse of cumbersome. Unwieldy is a weapon that can be particularly awkward to use for those without impressive dexterity and hand-eye coordination. To wield an unwieldy weapon properly, the character needs the an agility characteristic equal to or greater than the weapon's unwieldy rating. And for each point of agility by which the character is deficient, you must increase the difficulty of all checks made while using the weapon by one. Mm-hmm. Simple. There we go. All right, and then the last one is vicious. One of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also my passive. <laughs> and when a when an attack with this weapon results in a critical injury or hit, the anyhow, <laughs> the character adds ten times the vicious rating to the critical roll. So, with a vicious of three, for example, you would add plus thirty to the resulting critical injury hit result. Nice. And vicious three, mm-hmm. and then triggering your crit multiple times, that's how you kill a guy. <laughs> that's how you kill an ancient dragon. That's how like you kill Zack did. <laughs> that's how you one-shot my ancient dragon. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. You sunk my battleship. Mm-hmm. That is all of the existing qualities. Now, we might have some that pop up later that are setting-specific. Um, mm-hmm. House rules. Uh. <laughs> we'll yeah. see some on the road. And, you know, it GMs, if there's something that you've come up with out there, uh, a weapon quality, uh, like Stefan did, yeah. uh, an item quality, shoot it to us in an email. We'll yeah. read it. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So, last thing we cover when we cover weapons really is their, uh, or items we cover is their maintenance. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, that kind of goes along with that sunder quality, right? Where we're talking about, you know, we're damaging items and and such. There are on page um, 89, table I5 4, repairing gear. There are the levels of um, damage, minor, moderate, and major. Um, And there's a difficulty associated with repairing 
the gear when they're at that level. And then there's the penalties that you would ensue um, when using them. So if you're wielding an item and it's got a major <laughs> major damage to it, it's unusable. Because, you know, if you have a sword and it's bent 90 degrees, you can't use it. It's toast. Yeah. Yeah. So. And that's one of the things they also mentioned at the top of this paragraph, just under item maintenance. Mm-hmm. You know, you can you can roll, you can use some of those despairs to indicate that you know the weapon is misfired, yeah, misfired, oh, yeah. Da- damaged uh, somehow. Whether it's mm-hmm. the weapon or a shield or uh, I was like, no, no, it's damaged, so it's not as effective uh, at what mm-hmm. it's supposed to do. Mm-hmm. That's a great way to use despair, and I've had players yeah. use roll two despairs in a single roll. Yeah. Uh, nothing scares them more than taking that piece of equipment, <laughs> and it's perfectly within the guidelines of the rules. You roll two, two despairs; it goes from being perfectly fine to being yeah. completely destroyed. Well, that, <laughs> exactly, and it doesn't have to be a weapon. It could be lock picks, uh, wrenches, you know, hydro spanners. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. All right. Absolutely. And um, so, did you cover the costs? I did not. I was just test. I was just saying that it costs. Um, there's a difficulty, but I did not mention the costs. All right, so the, and the cost of those repairs uh, are equal to the percentage of the item's base cost. It's going to mm-hmm. be 25% for minor repairs, 50% for m- moderate repairs, and 100% for a major uh, work. You're basically rebuilding it from the ground up. <laughs> Pretty much. Re- reduce the total by 10% for fee- each advantage received on the repair check if your character is doing the work themselves mm-hmm. yeah and you would use a mechanic so, skill in like you know on low-tech weapons or items and whatever um you'd probably use you could use like a craft crafting check mm-hmm. you know on stuff too maybe uh, computers if you're putting back your computer back together and and then sure. the time the time involved repairing an item requires oh, yeah, adequate time and tools generally one to two hours per difficulty level there so if go. you're at minor repairs it's one to two hours and and uh, you you should allow the characters to reduce that by uh, the amount of ac- cumulative extra successes they rolled. Mm-hmm. Right. They could speed it up if they want to, if they want to try and repair something in quicker time. But mm-hmm. it, you have to, it, but increase the difficulty by one. Mm-hmm. For the um, you know, if you want to repair your item in an hour instead yeah. of two, you know, it'll it'll be a, if you look down at the, it would normally be an easy check. For minor mm-hmm. repair, um, it'll be an average check if you want to do it in an hour. There you go. So, yeah. Because you're rushing it. Yep. All right. Well, that's All right. cool. We kind of covered, I, I wanted to cover a uh, tracking ammo comment here, but mm-hmm. it really, we kind of did cover it earlier. That's when you- true ran across limited ammo you don't it all it says in the sidebar really is that this is a narrative driven system it is the ammo is narrative driven don't keep track of it unless you Mm -hmm. really really want to the only setting i would would be a post-apocalyptic setting yep where ammo is where ammo yeah where ammo is a resource and you know i may even i may even do it in like a western if you do it in a western you know because ammo is was a currency Back then mm-hmm. too, you know, traded well, bullets for shots. Yeah, especially if you're out, out uh, wandering about in the uh, the savannas, you know, between cities, you know, mm-hmm. you're between uh, Tombstone and, uh, and Dry Gulch. They go, oh, I only have a couple of bullets left, and surrounded by uh, Native Americans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> Alrighty then. So that pretty much covers the equipment, except for I wanted to cover one thing that Chris and I talk a lot about. Uh, we've used it in many of our uh, advantage, advantageous threats, mm-hmm. and that is the little rule that is on page ninety-three for gear. Mm-hmm. It is called the right tool for the job. Uh, Besides their characteristics, most pieces of gear have just one rule. It's a rule we like to call the right tool for the job. The rule is this. Due to the narrative-driven nature of our game, not every piece of equipment grants a unique rule or a unique bonus to gameplay mechanics. Instead, most pieces of gear assist your character in performing tasks they might not be able to accomplish without them or be able to accomplish a task easier. Mm-hmm. So, a pair of binoculars will allow your character to spot froze from long away, for example. A cell phone allows you to communicate over long distances, and a camp stove lets your character cook food in the wilderness. In these cases, your character's equipment makes the task possible. And mm-hmm. gear doesn't grant any additional bonus to the rules. It just lets your character do it. So that's part of the right tools for the job. But the other part is, at other times, a piece of gear helps your character do something better. For example, a a compass may not be vital to successfully following a trail through the woods. However, it can provide helpful in starting a... It can provide helpful and useful. Likewise, a propane lantern would be helpful in starting a larger fire since it already has a fuel source and igniter. Whenever character uses a piece of gear to aid in a task that the character could still normally perform without an equipment, you and the GM can agree to add a boost die. Here's where Stefan comes in. He begs for these all the time. Yep. Yeah, I'm going to have to start thinking about this again. I'm like, all right, <laughs> like Stefan. A, a crowbar. You, you have a crowbar. Without it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. You have a crowbar. Hey. A crowbar is, 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 a, is a nice lever to help pry something open. Boost well, hang there. on a second. Hang on a second. Would you be able to pry that door open without a crowbar? You might. But you might yes or no, Stefan. Get... Yes or no, buddy. Come on. <laughs> Yes, I can. <laughs> so therefore, the boost die does apply. If no, you it have doesn't. Crowbar. I'm going to surmise that you can't pry a door open without a crowbar. Therefore, you're using the right tool for the job, motherfucker. You well, don't get always, a boost. No. I can always ask for the boost die. Doesn't mean I we get just, it. Oh, we just found Chris's dick GM button. We know you always. We know you always. No, I'm just kidding around. But hey, another example would be climbing a cliff. Yeah. You could do it without a rope, <laughs> but if you have climbing yeah. gear, it's easier. Well, that's Th- it. Then, you, then it's the right tool for the job, granting you a boost die on your check. Well, that's it. And, that, right? and then the crowbar yeah. becomes a setback because it's way too heavy and it's not, it's not appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. And your buddy's got it hooked on your on your on your yep. on your on your back end and trying to pull you down while you're climbing. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, yes. and you know each one of these, you know, for weapons, there are. Um, if you look on page ninety-one, table five dash five, you could see just an example of a of a weapons chart, right? They're gonna have a. There's gonna be a name of the weapon. There's gonna be a skill associated with it that you would use, and then the damage. Like we said, the plus one for the knife. Whenever you see a plus, you would always add your brawn. The crit rating is the number of advantage you need to crit, trigger a crit. 
the range is you know engaged or in this case for the revolver medium range or closer there's going to be that encumbrance rating you would add that if you have if it's on your person you would add that to your encumbrance and one thing that we didn't mention um as far as encumbrance goes is if you have multiple items that are like really small that have mm-hmm. an encumbrance of zero and eh, typically if they're if you got like 10 of them right like if you have like what stim packs or whatever that are encumbrance zero but if you have 10 of them yeah that'll be like an encumbrance of one not necessarily a weight but it's more yeah. of a bulk of all those things yeah it's yeah, definitely yeah. it's it's a limiting factor you're mm-hmm. if you left them all at zero all the time why mm-hmm. won't well i've got 72 things as the painkillers in my backpack and <laughs> they don't weigh anything that's <laughs> right well, got, sure sure are really light you know i can carry mm-hmm. 72 of them yeah exactly <laughs> and then and then uh, everything's gonna have a price and then here's your rarity um, where, that's where you would find the rarity of things, and then everything. Then these are the the special. That that would be all your item qualities. That's where those the qualities that we just spent the last eight hours on um, describing <laughs> to all you guys <laughs> and gals right. out there. That's where they would list the um, special qualities of things. Then if you go to page ninety two, mm-hmm. table five six, you have an armor um, table. What do we got in there, Stefan? So that, of course, the, the name of the armor, the type of armor. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we've got defense, if it gives you a defense value or not. Not all of them do. Mm-hmm. Uh, a soak value as well, it's, uh, with a plus, which means it adds to your existing uh, soak value based, based on your brawn. Mm-hmm. Or any talents, In, maybe. Or with talents as well. And encumbrance, how heavy it is, mm-hmm. uh, when it's not worn. That's the encumbrance Yes. Not worn. Mm-hmm. So whenever it's worn, subtract three from that down, down to a minimum of zero. Yep. Uh, it's not going to give you more encumbrance <laughs> if you wear it. Yeah. <laughs> and then price, of course, in rarity. I'm wearing again. anti-gravity armor. Yes, it does. Yeah, it does. <laughs> well, power, <laughs> zero power, armor, power armor would be a different thing, but that increases your brawn, basically, so allowing you to carry more anyway. <laughs> exactly. Now, I want to say something about the defense on armor because it covers it in this paragraph. The armor's defense adds setback dice equal to defense rating in the attacker's dice pool. This reflects uh, the armor's ability to direct, redirect damage or deflect damage from the wearer. The defense rating of an armor sets the user's defense at a certain value. It does not add to anything. So if you have, for instance, you have two pieces of armor that you're wearing that have a defense rating and they each give you that defense rating they don't stack mm-hmm. only the higher one applies right and then you may have abilities and talents that increase your defense rating such as the defensive quality on a handheld weapon yeah so a shield mm-hmm so I just wanted to point that out that it Good. sets the uh, the value. So right, yeah, your armor typically does. Now right. talents, there are talents out there that increase it. That, that increase it. Yep. Gotcha. Just like the yep. qualities. So what yep, else do yep. we have here? We have a gear. They, yeah, and I mean, then the gear is just the gear table. Yeah. The, the gear table just I mean it uh, it ha- it lists the item it, it and yeah. that's table five seven <laughs> lists the item. Lists its encumbrance, lists its price, lists its rarity. Mm-hmm. And then any special rules involving that equipment. For instance, the painkiller. Uh, 
mm-hmm. um, on page 94. Those are going to be listed in its descriptive paragraph. Yes. Uh, and uh, so painkillers in this in this case uh, the, is a generic name or term they use for a consumable quick healing item. So in a fantasy setting, that would be healing potions. In a steampunk setting, those would be healing tonics. In a weird war setting, they may be first aid packs. In a modern day, they're painkillers. Science fiction, they're auto healers of some kind. Or stim, uh, stim packs. packs. Or yeah. yeah. Heard them called Whatever stim you want to call them. Right. Either way, uh, mm-hmm. It's it, it's treated the same way. It it what it is the first time it's applied, it'll heal five wounds, and then they have diminishing returns from there. So the each time in a, in a single day, if you're hit with painkillers three times, the first time it's going to heal five wounds, the second time it's going to heal four wounds, and then the third it would heal three wounds, and so on until you get to a sixth use where it does no further effect for you, mm-hmm. and that's in a single day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it is important to read all of the descriptions, even in weapons uh-huh. and armor uh-huh. as well. Because if you're looking at this backpack, last sentence, it increases that encumbrance by four. So Stefan, right. you can help me put that boulder in my backpack, and it just doesn't there matter. There you go. There we go. <laughs> right? Or the, sorry. Why are you carrying a big screen TV back there? Or the plutonium. <laughs> the plutonium in the, in, the, in the lead container, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then in the rope, it says the only rule associated with it, that it's often the right tool for the job. Oh, that's right it. You need, to, you need to climb something. You need to tie up a prisoner. Well, there you go. There you and go. then we get... Like you get to, later in the book, we have some setting specific items. I'm not going to get get into all those, but you have like alchemical items. You'll have drugs. You'll have cybernetics, G mods, uh, weapon modifications, mm-hmm. all those things. They have are going to have a similar paragraph to you. They're just considered gear. They're going to just have an item and encumbrance, a price and a rarity, and then all of their important stats are going to be in their descriptive paragraph. That's it. Yep. So right. everybody out there, wake up! <laughs> yeah, and if you want, and if you want to got like a comprehensive resource for uh, for all the equipment and all the qualities, instead of just going through the Genesis book, our good friend there, Drain Smith, he has a great PDF called the Equipment Encyclopedia. That includes all the gear from so far Realms of Tiranoth, Shadow of the Beanstalk, as well as the, the, the little bits of equipment in the core book, mm-hmm. and. Like I said, adds all the weapon qualities, that armor qualities, and the attachments. Oh, jeez. Very nice. That's oh. a totally other show. Attachments oh, yeah. is another show. Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. Indeed it is. Yes. So, gentlemen, let's mm-hmm. get on to our next... Let's. Are we done with the meat of this yes. show? Yeah. This yeah. Meat, yes. You know, the, book this, of Genesis. the meat of this um, show is about the size of that 32-ounce porterhouse. That I that I ate a few years ago. <laughs> Holy crap! That I, was I, I thought for sure you were going to say you air fried. Thanks, mom. <laughs> All right. So because our our sandwich was so full of meat, uh, we're not going to have any cheese in this episode. We are going to leave the uh, the setting the tone out of this show, and we're going to skip right on to your favorite segment and mine: advantageous threats. Welcome to part three of uh, the show. Uh, the part that is our favorite. It's, it's also become my favorite as well. 
it's infectious, you know. Uh, the part we called Advantageous Threat, where we set up little scenarios, run through the dice pool mechanic, and the rest of us try to come up with reasons for setback and upgrades Sweet. of difficulties. <laughs> and then we educate the roles. Yes. So, Tony, let's kick off with your Advantageous Threat. All right. My character, Geyser Broadrock, <laughs> an Earth Amalgam Artificer in Primordial Machina, is attempting a mid-car chase, uh, uh, in mid-car chase, to conduct a speedy repair on his majorly damaged Buzz Cleaver, awesome. which is a steam-powered battle axe slash artificer's implement. I included a picture for you guys yeah. <laughs> in our show notes um, to what a buzz cleaver may look like. Yeah. Um, so uh, Geyser here has a this is a mechanics check, and it's majorly damaged, so that automatically sets my difficulty at three purple. Geyser has an intellect of three with two ranks in mechanics, uh, meaning he's going to have a. Th- Two yellow, one green pool with three purple dice for difficulty. Got what it. you got? What you got? Oh, go ahead, Chris. Well, um, it's in mid car chase. Yeah, and it's majorly damaged. Uh huh. Which means it's a uh, it's unusable at this point. Yup. <laughs> but it's in mid chase, yeah, and you want to do it really quick, so you don't have six hours to do it. Correct. A, you know, sparks are flying. Things are are, are vibrating. That's not that's well, supposed to. If you want to do it really fast, <laughs> I'm going to say this might be a little more difficult. It's got to be more difficult. I think we're going to have to make. I think we're going to have to. I think we're going to have to make a special chat, a special case here, because of the rule of cool, and the fact that you want to actually <laughs> repair this thing quickly in the in uh-huh. the middle of a car chase. So I'm gonna I'm gonna maybe um, increase the difficulty by one, make okay. it make it an extra purple, and then and then um, just by one. Well, technically, uh, well, I would have auto auto upgrade one of them. You're gonna auto upgrade it? To instead because you want to do it so quick. Yeah. Get the chance for that despair. So an <laughs> increase that is automatically upgraded. Got it. Okay, that sounds good to me. That sounds good. Yeah. I would also add maybe at least one setback because he's in mid-car chase. There's people firing probably at the vehicle, vehicles jostling all over the place. Uh, yeah, I'd give it I'd give it a couple of I'd give it two setback for that. There you go. Very well then. Well, I did not build Geyser with the neck for it yet. Ooh. So, um, so because he, you know, but hey, you know, but maybe he has a- the right tool for the job though uh, he he's he thinks he's he thinks he's <laughs> right. He's he's got his uh he's got his toolbox laid out in the back seat. That's so right. he happens to have the right tools. He's trying to so, bash the hell out of it. So yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna throw in a blue die for my right tools for the job. And because uh, uh, this would be really cool to do in the back seat of a car rambling across the desert yeah. mm-hmm. I am totally upgrading my check by spending a player's story point there you go that sounds good to me now is this in a car chase as in like kind of on the ground near the ground yep car chase in yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna flip a GM story point here 
because <laughs> we might hit a rock and that and your your um buzz cleaver might be going flying out of the car. <laughs> or might hit the or might hit the driver. You only live once. <laughs> you might put an axe in the back of the driver. That's right. The driver's not named Killzack, is it? Oh, Yuri, is it? <laughs> All right, so here mm. goes my mechanics check. Bam! All right, first of all, no despair, bitches. Those red dice are loaded. <laughs> right, so I only had a single net success. I had uh, a grand total of th- uh, one, two, three, four successes, but I had three failures. Oh. And I had uh, two advantage, but, or sorry, three advantage, but they are canceled by the three threat that I rolled. So okay. no advantage. So it just ends up being a single success. There you go. So you succeed. I succeeded in repairing it one step. One yeah. step. So it's moderately. So now, but you can at least use it. It's just now it's just automatically increase the difficulty when using it. So because it's moderately. So yeah. to narrate this as mm-hmm. a player, I'm in the back seat. I got all my tools all strewn out all over the place in there, and the car's jostling around, and tools are going <laughs> flying, and all of a sudden you hear <laughs> as his buzz cleaver kicks off, and you hear <laughs> nice. That's great. <laughs> all right, awesome. That is right. awesome. Yes. All right, Chris. You want me to go next? Okay, yep. then. All right. Let's follow up with you. So, Bolo Sauce Soul is my halfling cook slash herbal healer in some fantasy setting. And he has scavenged some herbs, some healing herbs, some rare herbs from the woods um, that he would like to sell at a trading post. Um, out, um, out in, in, out somewhere. Um, so what I did is I, as I figured a comparable rarity from Realms of Tirnoth, I, I picked Herbs of Healing. I okay. think their, the rarity gives it a hard difficulty. I think the rarity was either five or six. Yeah, I think. probably some kind of red and white mushroom. <laughs> yeah, there it is. <laughs> um, so it starts off at a, so it's going to be a negotiation check because I want to sell these. Um, but mm-hmm. since he's in a trade major trading hub, it'll be a minus one difficulty, so making an average check. Okay. So he's fairly charismatic, you know, with a presence of three. He's got a couple ranks in negotiation because, you know, he needs to be able to sell his pies. Um, so he's built that up a little bit. So his base check is going to be two yellow, a green, versus two purples. Um, and... Um, you know, his mother has brought him up right, you know, so brought him, he's properly, he was, you know, pr- he's got two ranks in the proper upbringing talent, um, which he can suffer two strain and add two advantage to the check, which is, on, which I'm going to do. Very nice. And I've never thought of ever using proper upbringing, but this is perfect. <laughs> there you go. In a social check. So what do you guys think? How would you like to make this more difficult? Well, um, I would say in this particular... The, you didn't say where exactly in Terranoth. No, it's and not in Terranoth. I was just using oh, oh, the herbs okay. of Terranoth, or the, the herbs of healing from Terranoth as like a base. you Because know, there aren't any halflings in Terranoth. 
There are not. That's what I was going to say. So you're kind of like this weird alien outsider. But uh, (laughs) but either way, I'm going to say that halflings are not very common in this trade hub. And so therefore... Or they're maybe... Maybe maybe halflings are thought as like they're always trying to cheat you. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe. Yeah. Could be. Could be. Okay. Uh, So that would be a good reason to put in a setback die. All righty. We'll throw a setback die in there. But I, I mean, honestly, don't see any other reason to increase the difficulty in any way, shape, or form. I think you've got it pretty well calculated. Okay. Um, maybe there's a, um, maybe there's a, um, the Dwarven Mafia kind of has run the, is kind of running the rare herbs market. So maybe that, <laughs> there's an upgrade there. Dwarven. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, the story point because of something like that. A bunch of wise beards, eh? You got a bunch of wise beards, eh? You want to sell some herbs in our town? You got to come to us first. <laughs> sounds great. You little, have, you little ogre toe, you? Come on. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a great reason to flip a GM story point and upgrade. That's right. what I thought. Sounds good. <laughs> Sorry about nope. that. Don't okay. lose your lungs. No. You need some of those healing herbs. <laughs> and you might want I, to keep some of those for yourself. Yeah, I might want to. All right. Yep. And um, yeah, this is this is good. I'm I'm good with that. I don't need this flip a story point. Even though, even though Bolo has never run into the Dwarven Mafia before, he doesn't know what the fuck to do. All right, here we go. <laughs> Holy failure, Batman. But however, however, okay, so I have a, I have one failure. Okay. Um, I get that, and I'm going to spend two strain and add two advantage. So I, f- I have one failure, three advantage, and a triumph. <laughs> nice. So, um, I'm going to say that I might not... So when it when it means I don't successfully sell something, I won't get the price for it, right? But why don't we do? Well, I could do something. You know what? Maybe with my advantage, I um, I do a trade for the value. I don't get the cash monies for it. They allow me to t- maybe trade at like a half value or something. What yeah, do you for think? some herbs that the other herbs that the, they were trying to I don't know to get rid of and <laughs> they can't, they don't uh, could be that could be uh, so they have a they have a abundance of the herbs required for bottled courage okay which would be uh, some sort of hops. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so they do a trade with you. So the herbs for bottled courage versus the herbs for healing potions. For like healing potions, sweet. And I think, um, and I think I would like, I would love to spend this triumph on um, an automatic upgrade with this dwarven mafia in the future. <laughs> okay. Or another thing you could do, uh, you could also throw in something like at the end they're like sorry we really couldn't help you but we'll throw this in and you could get something for free if you really wanted to in that kind of situation oh Whether that's kind of a, that's a good idea too. 
Yeah, a minor item. That's a good so. idea. Yep. That's a good idea. All right. Nice. Well, there we go. Excellent. All right. Come on, Stefan. Right, what do you got for us, buddy? All right. Now we switch to the world of Star Wars, where my character, uh, Thar Boromir Racha. Never heard of him. No, never heard of him. Goes by the name of Boromir. He's a chiss, a chiss Jedi sentinel artisan. And he needs to acquire some rare isotope in order to complete his new ship component to upgrade the uh, the ship. Some kind of phase shield that will make it much more difficult for, uh, for other ships to uh, target the Nebula Dancer. Ooh. This is already a rarity 8 item, so four... For purple, daunting, mm-hmm. and it's a control substance, like almost like military. So, uh-huh. using the rarity table plus two rarity bumps it up to ten, meaning okay. five. Dawn, formidable. Oh there you go. But he's in the trading hub. He's like a place, you know. He's on Nal Hada, where there's a lot Nar-shada. of trade. Nar-shada. Nar-shada. Oh yeah. shit! If you're there, dude, I'd I'd reduce it by two, maybe. All right. Well, at least one. Right. Oh yeah, back to eight. Go back to eight. Back to eight. All right. So, because it's on a major, because in Star Wars they actually have modifiers for it being on a major trade route and being a major trade center. So you could actually be reduced by two. That's it. All right. So, and he's got some decent streetwise uh, and a good presence. Uh, So two yellows and two greens. Okay. So there you go. So that's. And he's made some contacts. You know, he's been working on these different ships and helping out. So mm-hmm. he, he knows who to ask. So I would maybe I'd give him a boost die. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. There we go. So you mean right. he has the right tool for the job? <laughs> That's it. He, he is the right tool for the job. He is the right tool for the job. Gotcha. So, um, what about any kind well, of difficulties? With this you? is during the height of the Empire? Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. So immediately, automatically, going to throw in a setback die for him being a Jedi sen- Sentinel artisan. Yeah. Um, of course, he doesn't advertise it, but still, you have to keep still, it hidden. Yeah. You got to keep it hidden. It's on his mind. Oh yeah. And because the huts have such a clampdown on these awesome ship components, mm-hmm. we'll spend the M story point and upgrade that. All right, yeah, so I agree. One there, and instead of that, so we're looking at three purple, a red, a, a black, and a blue, and then two yellows, two greens. Rainbow, Woo-hoo. rainbow. All right, so that's let's see what I've got with that. Ooh, a despair and a triumph. Oh yeah. <laughs> so you're going to be advantageously threatening or triumphantly despaired. Definitely. So we've got a couple of threats there. Cancel out by two advantages. Mm-hmm. A couple of failures. Let's see here. This is blank. So, no, unfortunately, I got two two failures and one success. And actually, no, wait a minute. The, uh, the triumph does count as a, as a success. The yes, it counts do. as a failure. Mm-hmm. But it's, uh, but it's, yeah, and that's a, the despair is a failure. So, yeah, oh, oh, oh. so I'm left with one failure and one advantage and a triumph and <laughs> despair. <laughs> a, a little bit of everything almost. Alrighty then. Oof. So he does mm-hmm. find, no, he does not find the isotope that he's wanting. Nope. And, but with the, 
at least one advantage that's left over. He might get a clue to someone who might be able to point him in the right direction. Okay. Sure. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yep. In fact, uh, you meet a trader who's dealt with a guy who was on uh, coming out of Coruscant. Yeah. So, uh, with- and he was selling it on the black market there, mm. underneath Imperial nose. Right. Ooh. So my my triumph might say that uh, it's not sold yet, and I have still a chance to get to the guy that oh. I may have even dealt with in the past before, so he knows me. A little bit of trust there already. Okay. Mm-hmm. The problem is, mm-hmm. dun, 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 despair. your yeah. despair is that the gentleman is doing his sail under the nose on the same space station mm-hmm. off, just off Coruscant where a Inquisitor is known to have hunted Force users. Aha. So, <laughs> there you go. So I'll have to be extra careful. <laughs> <laughs> The Inquisitor is one step behind you now, Stefan. <laughs> mm-hmm. There you go. Awesome. Welcome back to the show, Stefan. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. A nice mm. variety of, of things happening and after educating them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you still continued to roll a failed check with despair trial. <laughs> <laughs> but still, awesome. Yeah. It's never, never a dull moment. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we awful. call it a day? Let's call I it a day. I think we could call it a day or an evening or a morning. <laughs> everybody that's our show for tonight i would love to give a shout out to a new podcast called macho men and tights hosted by uncle j raz carlin kendrick and matt stark it's a podcast about supers rpgs and luchadors (laughs) they had their premiere episode on march 25th 2019 and you can find them on Podbean, uh, machomenandtights.podbean.com. I'll put, I'll put the link in the show notes there. Um, yeah. Yeah, go listen to them. You know, finally a, a podcast about superheroes. Yes, exactly. And Carlin wearing his freaking luchador mask while we started, <laughs> while we played Star Wars last time. That was hilarious. Yep. Yeah. Oh, I love the fact that you get you got Matt, Carlin, and Jay. They have great chemistry talking together, and you can tell they all have a love for supers. And it's great to see uh, those guys uh, putting together a show on the Nerds International Network. Okay. So mm-hmm. three different personalities. Yeah. So just like us. Yes, that's great. <laughs> Good things come in threes. Yes. Hmm. You got anything you want to remind us of, Stefan? Because I'm blonde and I forget shit. Yeah, uh, I don't. Uh, just the, the news that we mentioned earlier: uh, World of Android, available on Drive Through RPG. So yep. go, go and get it if you want more fluff for your uh, oh, Shadow yeah. of the Beanstalk campaign. Mm-hmm. All righty then. Well, contact info: you can contact us. Uh, via email at findingthenarrativepodcast at gmail.com. You can get a hold of me or Stefan. He's now an admin on the Facebook page. Mm-hmm. 
Um, you can uh, get a hold of Nerds International and Finding the Narrative on MeWe. And we are now on Twitter at FTN underscore Genesis. And Stefan monitors that like a hawk. Yes. So no spamming. (laughs) So uh, tell your friends to listen to us on Podbean, iTunes, YouTube, and Google Play. And yeah, that's our show. This is Tony saying keep rolling them bones. And this is Stefan saying, don't forget to ask for those boost dice. <laughs> and this is Chris telling you to remember the rule of cool and just have fun, everybody. Good night. Au revoir. Bye. Hey. <laughs> Finding the Narrative, a Genesis RPG podcast is not affiliated with or endorsed by any companies mentioned in this show. Any of the products mentioned on our show or appear on our website are the property and copyright of their respected owners. All items are used under fair use and educational and review purposes. All other items are the intellectual property of Finding the Narrative, a Genesis RPG podcast. Copyright 2019. All rights reserved.